This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. So tonight we are going to bring you the story directly from the mouths of the two gentlemen who experienced it last night. It is Jason and Pete joining us from MotorhomeDiaries.com. And, of course, Mark is here with me as he always is. Uh, guys, welcome to Free Talk Live. As we've had you on before, it's always good to have you back. It's always great to be here. We love listening to you guys on the road. Yeah, make sure you get real close on that microphone. Uh, it is sensitive in that way. And motorhomediaries.com is the website. People can go there and they can follow your travels. It's been going on since, was it February when you guys launched this thing or March? When when did this thing get started? It, it seems longer, but it was uh, actually April. Uh, so we've been on the road for like three and a half months. Wow. Okay. So just kind of getting the ball rolling here. You've been going around the country. You've traveled around America at least once so far and uh, meeting up with a variety of interesting people. In many cases, uh, as many as what looks like dozens of people getting together to just kind of hang out with you guys and talk about what they're doing as far as uh, advancing the ideas of freedom are concerned. You've encountered uh, various, met up with people from just your on-the-street-level kind of activists to people that are working within the system to civil disobedience. It's been all over the map. The videos are there. Uh, Different videos are going to appeal to different people. In fact, you guys just posted the top three Motorhome Diaries videos as one of your most recent blog posts, if not the most recent, at MotorhomeDiaries.com. Ron Paul was actually number three. What was uh, number one and two? You'd think Ron Paul would be um, up there at the top. Yeah, uh, the first video was uh, Peter Schiff. Uh, That's a more recent video of ours uh, where we interviewed him talking about his tax-resisting father, Erwin Schiff. And so that uh, we were able to like get a lot of information that we haven't heard before uh, from Peter Schiff, who's running uh, for or might be running for a Senate uh, in uh, Connecticut. Yeah, I found that kind of particularly. I mean, I've been watching all the videos, Uh, so uh, so I found that one particularly interesting because how many people ask him about his dad? I mean, normally it's just about oh, you're running for Senate, this and that. You know, kind of the political aspect of what he does when his his father, Erwin Schiff, is like a a hero for tax freedom advocates. I mean, this guy is in jail right now because he believes so strongly that well he he believes in the system and he believes that the the rules of the system basically say you don't even have to pay uh the income tax and so he tries to work within the system to bring that about or to at the very least get them to not hurt him anymore but they insist on it and they've locked him in a jail cell probably for the rest of his his life yeah i was going to say look where it got him to work within the system yeah, well, he, you know, he did what he th- he felt was right, and he stuck to it. And I, t- to that end, I certainly give the guy credit. Yeah, one of the disclaimers, or we put a disclaimer at the end of the video that said, uh, you know, uh, we believe that taxation is theft, therefore it's a moral issue and, mm-hmm. uh, it, and not necessarily a legal issue. And I mean, there's no reason that we need to, you know, follow in the footsteps of uh, Irwin Schiff because it's, we, like I said, uh, we see where it gets them, and uh, you got to work outside the system against the system. I, I feel. Toll-free number here, by the way, is 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for the Motorhome Diaries, guys, it looks like the calls are already rolling in here. We've got to get to your story at some point here tonight. But we'll go to the phone calls first, since people want to talk to you. Uh, Jason and Peter here, MotorhomeDiaries.com. Oh, what was the other video before we before we forget about that? that uh, the topic? second most viewed video was our uh, ransacking Mar video when we... Uh, oh, yeah, that yeah. one was awesome. I think that should be number one. That That was amazing. It really gave people a look into... What so many Americans experience. Now, not all Americans drive RVs around, but a lot of Americans, and I'm sure this happens around the world, but a lot of people 
have the police demand uh, a search or the police will sort of talk their way into searching someone's car because they've got this authoritarian demeanor and people have been cowed and trained to be very obedient. And so they don't, first of all, they don't know. Most people don't realize that they can say no if a cop is asking to search. In this case, you guys weren't asked. They just went ahead and did it. And many cops will do that. And it just shows the aftermath. You guys got your RV back after spending a night in jail. And it was almost demolished on the inside. It was amazing actually seeing that happen because normally you just hear the stories about how people had to, you know, they got pulled over on the side of the road and even if they got let go, they had to stand around and wait and watch as the cops tore their car apart. And then they always tell you about how they had to put it back together. But seeing the actual footage of what it looks like after the cops have just ransacked your vehicle was pretty stunning. Yeah, and we plan uh, probably tomorrow to post a new video that has... uh the B-roll and the uh, content from us rolling to the Canadian checkpoint, which is a story I know we're going to talk about, but basically I was recording, this is Pete, I was recording uh, Jason as he was driving in. We were asked to pull over, and then as we exited the vehicle, they told us we couldn't film, and Jason was later ordered to delete that film. So we're going we're gonna to hopefully recover that. So they actually ordered you to do it. They wouldn't do it themselves. They demanded that, that, uh, that you take care of their dirty work for them. They said they didn't know, uh, you know how to operate our equipment, <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is not consent. Uh, you know, they, uh, yeah, they told us that, that we had to give them our passwords for the laptops or else they would seize our equipment. Right, so a lot of good password protecting does, right? Yeah, no good so mistake. If, if you want to give up your laptop, then uh, you can right. feel good about how protected it is. If you don't ever want to see it again. Well, I'm, you know, I'm very glad. What I had understood was that they had confiscated your laptops, and that would have, you know, that would have been a real crimp in your guys' style and what you were doing. Um, you know, certainly it's it's not great that they took them for any period of time, but I am glad that you got them back at all. Yeah, they took the uh, laptops and uh, they took a, a box of uh, what uh, what they considered propaganda because they were looking for heinous propaganda. <laughs> what? And- did you all ever means. figure the definition of heinous propaganda? Well, I mean, heinous, you know, means like a bad evil, but uh, in the dictionary, but we don't know what a bureaucrat thinks of right. heinous because this is like a, a legal term they use in Canada that they can like uh, eject us from the country if we have heinous propaganda. Too much heinousness. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> I think an, another thing that you're kind of lucky about, and I'm not saying this was a good experience. Believe me, I, this is a, a bad experience. However, I I got ejected from Canada, but I had to spend a night in jail in Canada before they ejected me. So it could it could have been worse. You walked away with most of your stuff. Um, it, sort of, it was uh, messed up a little bit, but uh, you, you know you didn't have to spend any time in jail, and you got to keep your stuff. So that's a good thing. Yeah, the, the chains were a little lighter on, on yeah, us than yeah, they were right. for you. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to these calls, and we'll get to some of the details of what happened at the Canadian border. You just kind of got a basic story so far, but let's talk first to Arno, calling from Illinois. Arno, you're on with the guys from the Motorhome Diaries, Jason and Pete. Hey, guys. How are you doing? What up, Arno? Good to hear from you. Hey, Arno. Yeah, good to hear from you, too. Good to hear that you guys didn't end up in jail. So, uh, you got any questions or anything you wanted to say? Yeah, I'm calling because I... um I have some Canadian experience. I used to live there for a couple of years. And uh, when I first heard the story, it sort of surprised me. Um, but thinking about it, um, it's not so surprising because they're um, – and I don't want to generalize too much, but um, Canadians um, usually like to pre- pretend to be um, very inclusive of everyone. But as soon as you have ideas or ideals – they're a little um, different, um, you're usually labeled as an extremist. And so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me they've, they've got kicked out from the... 
Yeah, I I had always heard good things about Canada, and certainly my experience in traveling there was not as difficult. But then again, I wasn't driving a huge yellow and black uh, RV with MotorhomeDiaries.com painted on the side. I I don't know why that might have set them off, but apparently they uh, decided to go to the website and then figured out that you guys were a bunch of subversives. Uh, But nonetheless, it's pretty fascist what they were doing up there, and uh, I'd say it's a real black mark against the Canadian uh, government, which a lot of people tend to have the, uh, the viewpoint that the Canadian government is somehow a, a better government than the United States. It seems like they're all a bunch of controlling sickos to me. All governments, you mean, when you yeah. say all. I, I used to think that the um, Canada and the U.S. were not so different, but having lived in both, um, there are a lot of differences. And the, the one that strikes me the most is that Canada is more of a European country in the sense that uh, you don't find a lot of freedom fighters there. And uh, most people are resigned to just obey the government. I'm I mean, pretty sure that describes stuff. the United States to a T. Yeah, and um, we were we were basically told. Uh, I was asked to come to the counter and spoke with one of the uh, border bureaucrats, and you know, basically told in effect that our ideas could be dangerous. And initially, when they saw, you know, on first glance, they thought that you know we advocate for violence, and I said, no, we're anything but. We advocate for a, a peaceful evolution. But uh, yeah, she said, you know. That uh, people in the states, maybe they're advocating for freedom. Maybe there's some people there calling for more freedom, and they and they they did uh, differentiate between the Canadian government and the American government. They blamed the American government post 9/11 for like all these uh, extra security measures. Arno, thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. We've got more for the gentleman from the Motorhome Diaries. Motorhomediaries.com is their website. They are traveling around the country, meeting up with freedom lovers all over the place, searching for freedom in America, and they attempted to search for it in Canada, but never got past the border. And we'll talk more about that experience here in a little bit. This is Free Talk Live. The number is 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Also joining us tonight, Pete and Jason are here from MotorhomeDiaries.com. Uh, we're going to take calls for them and also get into some of the details on what happened to them yesterday as they attempted to cross the U.S.-Canadian border on a uh, trip to Canada. Just a, They were going up there to meet up with some activist buddies and enjoy themselves and were denied. So we'll get to that here. And of course, uh, take your phone calls about anything also at 800-259-9231. These guys have uh, a lot of uh, great opinions, and so they'll certainly be welcome to chime in here as uh, the, the third and fourth men, uh, unfortunately, having to share one microphone. So do bear with us as we deal with, the, with that here tonight. 800-259-9231. By the way, our website is freetalklive.com, and the features are free, including archives. So you can go and grab an entire week's worth of shows or a whole year's worth. It's all there right there on the front page of the site at freetalklive.com. Chris Anderson's book, uh, The Future of a Radical Price Free, is a uh, sort of a marketing book that talks about how the the Internet paradigm of giving something away and then uh, then asking for donations or you know having a what they call a freemium where you have uh, a certain amount of membership that pays for extra services it's kind of like free talk live does uh, you can go get this book for free from audiblepodcast.com slash free there's no strings attached you don't have to give a credit card number or anything like that it's audiblepodcast.com slash free and i recommend it all right, so let's go back to these phone calls here. Uh, we're just going to go through as many as we can and then get back to the story with uh, Jason and Pete. Vince has been waiting in California. Vince, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening. 
Hey, guys, just wanted to talk about your uh, uh, show last night where you guys were discussing voting. Yes, it uh, got pretty heated in here last night. In fact, it was so heated that we decided to extend the show into an Internet-only edition afterwards and continued the discussion, if you want to call it that, for an entire hour. Uh, yes, your uh, thoughts. Yeah, I thought I, no, I really, really enjoyed the show. I thought it, it really helped me sort of uh, figure out my thinking, and I wanted to try, if it doesn't interrupt your interview too much, uh, sort of a, a thought for Mark to... Cause I know that Dale was having a hard time trying to explain to Mark what the what the cost of voting was because Mark has the has the idea that you know voting is a free thing you can do to prevent aggression from people and there's no cost to it and I think there's a really really big cost. So what I want to say is, for example, let's say you've got a, a friend who has a gambling problem, goes out and gambles all the time because he's got this idea that you know you can he can live his life spending a bunch of money and wasting it like that. So he gets into debt, has some problem paying his bills. It comes to you for help. So are you helping him by helping him pay his bill, by protecting him from the consequences of his incorrect belief? I wouldn't think so. I would think that a person has to hit bottom. Yeah, exactly right. And that's what I think is happening. If, if I was the person that would have been the one vote that would have swung it the other way to protect people from the consequences of their incorrect belief that democracy and voting is a good way to, uh, to run things, you know, I, what would happen if, if that tax didn't get passed? Well, a lot of people would go leave that meeting thinking to themselves, well, gee, look, man, democracy worked really great this time. And you've just pushed them one step farther away from coming to the correct conclusion that, no, it's not, it's not a good way to run things. It's not a good way to organize society. And it's going to mean that their recovery from that incorrect belief is going to be that much harder for them and that much more painful, like an addiction. Well, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I you know, have held that particular philosophy in the past, but what, I, what it kind of shows up for me as callous, and um, also I kind of, kind of wonder, why did I move for the Free State Project if that's the attitude that I'm going to take? If people need to, you know, if America needs to hit its bottom in order to decide that uh, that government doesn't work, and I, I don't see any, you know, government, people all over the world have had their governments hit bottom. I see no evidence, whatever, that they're going to come to the conclusion that freedom works as a result of that. Um, but... If if why would I have moved for the Free State Project if I didn't want to minimize harm? I mean, to me, it seems like the uh, the, the right you know uh, if you want to minimize harm, it's the right thing to have moved. Mark, well, and I would say that that approach is not minimizing harm; it's making it more painful for them. That you're pushing back. If there is going to be a day where we achieve freedom, every time that we minimize harm in that sense, we're pushing that day back farther and farther and farther. Every time, you know, we have a a time where people can point to and say, look, in this case, democracy worked. In this case, voting worked, and we got the, 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 right, the right thing happened. We're making that day farther and farther off. Yeah, Mark, I think a, a good example of this is people you know, necessarily don't have to wait around in the uh, geographical location they are for their government to fail. They see it's failing. They see the burdens, so they vote with their feet, and they go elsewhere, which is exactly what you did. You, you said, this government is, is too tyrannical. I'm going to go where it's more free in, in the the added opportunities in places like that are you know just well I and I, I agree that it is kind of a it is a kind of a callous sounding solution but so is you know rejecting your friend that is in trouble and needs money that's pretty callous too well I no, think it also begs the question though uh, I think it begs the question Vince why not go ahead and vote for tyranny then I mean if if what your goal is is to see the country hit rock bottom then why not assist them in uh, in making oh, no, that no. happen my my goal is not to hit rock bottom but 
and I would I would not vote for tyranny, absolutely not. But well, what is the goal then? And didn't you say you believe that things need to get to rock bottom before people will start to figure things no, no, out? That's that's what Mark said. I what I said is I don't want to protect people from the consequences of their beliefs. And I don't I don't necessarily think that I mean I didn't hit rock bottom before I feel I figured you know this whole liberty thing out. I don't think you have to hit rock bottom. A lot of people do I think. But the great thing about liberty and this market-based activism is you don't have to have everyone. You don't even have to have a majority. Well, you um, know, a, Vince, how about this? How about the uh, the, the market-based activists? Um, go and uh, vote on issues in order to protect me. I understand that um, that the, you know the system is corrupt. I don't believe in democracy as you're talking about. I don't need to be taught this lesson that you're talking about. All I want to be is protected as uh, you know in, in the the most easy fashion from people that will use aggression against me and my family. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. I don't take the same position as Dale did that, you know, I don't agree with him that voting it, uh, for, uh, against tyranny is immoral per se. Um, and, you know, if, if you were to, but I don't think that your suggestion that it was, that the, in the long run, that this particular vote, the outcome was going to be more beneficial in advancing liberty per se. I think that in the long run, yes. You know, in the short run, yes. I mean, that's definitely good for you. Well, to, you I, know, have your taxes I didn't make that. Whatnot, but I don't feel like I ever made the argument that uh, going and voting is um, in you know on issues is going to necessarily advance liberty. I'm of the opinion that liberty it's defensive is what you're saying. Right. It's absolutely, in my opinion, to prevent harm from people who have uh, been you know will be aggressed against. That's what my intent is. And I believe that when one can, you know, sacrifice a small amount, a very small amount, in order to get a much larger gain for someone else, that that may not be moral. However, it is good. Vince, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We go to Dan in Rhode Island. Uh, Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, everyone. Hey, Dan. What's on your mind tonight? Hi. Um, well, I'm calling about free travel between the states, and uh, it's a nice thing to have, and uh, we're told that we have it, um, supposedly protected by the Privileges and Immunities Clause of the Constitution and due process, etc. But um, I'm actually from Boston, and Boston has enacted a particularly invidious way around it, and it's called the Resident-Only Parking Program. Have you All heard right. of this? I have not, but I'm sure you'll tell us about it if you'll hang on. More with Dan in moments. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can get on the lines, bring up whatever you want. Also, the guys from Motorhome Diaries are here, and they're in the studio chiming in. They're also here to answer your questions. It's Free Talk Live. FreeOzRadio.com Kevin Rudd is a big fat hypocrite. Who, who's Kevin Rudd? You mean who's Kevin Rudd? Crikey, an Australian-focused liberty podcast. I don't know who Senator Conroy is, but... He's the Minister of Broadband. Yeah, well, I just don't care about politicians' He's in charge of all the censoring of the internet. I don't really care who the politician is. I just want, wanted to stop. I don't care who's doing it. Just stop. Is that what parents say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. FreeOzRadio.com This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Mark. And also joining us here, Jason and Pete are both with us from MotorhomeDiaries.com. We're going to talk about 
when we get a chance, which hopefully will be soon. Uh, we're going to talk about their trip to Canada, or rather their attempted trip to Canada, because it was frustrated and prevented by the Canadian Border Guards. Uh, we'll get to the details on that, but first, your calls. We were talking with Dan in Rhode Island, and we're going to bring him back here. Dan, you wanted to tell us about the apparently insanity going on in Boston. What was the name of the program, and it has to do with the, your ability to travel? It's a really atrocious set of laws in Boston, and uh, I haven't encountered it elsewhere yet. I've been in a few states uh, living so far, and I'm glad to hear it hasn't spread to New Hampshire yet because it's particularly bad. And uh, it's called the Resident-Only Permit Program. And uh, what it is is it's a set of laws in Boston and a lot of the surrounding cities and suburbs that says that uh, if you are not a resident of that particular city, you may not park on the streets, on the public roads of that city, unless you uh, re-register your car in Massachusetts, which uh, costs potentially thousands of dollars because of the insurance uh, rates that they set there. And uh, you have to obtain a permit from the city before you can park on the public roads. And uh, it may not sound that bad at first because you say, well, uh, if, if you have an apartment there, then uh, you, can, you can park. But uh, really, it's city-specific. So if you live in another city in Massachusetts, you're banned from parking in uh, one of the other cities. And it affects, I would say, wow. 80% of the roads there. So, so you could park in a parking garage, but you can't park in a parallel spot or something like that that's on the actual side of the road? Oh, you can park in a city-run parking garage if you want to pay $35, but um, you can't park on the public roads uh, wherever there's a resident-only parking sign, which is on, I would say, about 80% of the roads here. And uh, what it does is essentially it makes it illegal for uh, you to go visit a friend and park on the road in front of their house. Uh, If you want to go to a restaurant, you can't park in front of the restaurant because resident-only parking. It was supposed to be only residential neighborhoods, but of course they didn't stick to that. Wait, okay, so the restaurant would have to be on a public road. If they've got their own parking lot, then you're okay there, right? Uh, yeah, but in Boston, there usually isn't space for that, and there's a lot of zoning restrictions and things. So uh, usually it's, you're just kind of on your own for parking. Most of them don't. And, uh, but this makes it so that you can't even park on the public roads. And I can't even park on the public road in front of my house at night. Otherwise, I risk my car being towed, and uh, every time I'm violated, it's $40 that goes to the state. So where do you have to park? Uh, there's essentially nowhere. You have to park illegally, and then uh, and you have to try to find a spot. But um, what so so you have with... to find a spot that doesn't have one of those resident parking signs. And you're saying that 80 percent of the, uh, the the public parking does have those signs. Uh, yep, that would be my estimate. So if you are parking illegally, then are they ticketing you, or are you getting uh, possibly oh, yeah. towed? Yeah, some of the most expensive tickets around. If they don't tow you, uh, usually it's forty dollars per infraction. It's crazy. Well, it is. Uh, it yep, really it's is. just made living here a total nightmare. And, now, how uh, are you calling from Rhode Island if you're living in Boston? Uh, well, uh, I'm working here for the summer, but I'm, I'm uh, in law school in Boston for the moment. So uh. it's not by preference, trust me. But as soon as I get my degree, I'm hoping to move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Have you signed up? Uh, not yet. I have to try to find a job first. Do that. No, do, you don't. Do, yeah, do that for me. Um, I, I signed up before I had a job. I signed up before I had a house. Just go ahead and sign up, and then you can work. Because signing up setting an intention. And why, why right. is that important, Mark? Well, because if you set an intention, you move towards your intention. Right. So, uh, and there's no real serious time limit here. Uh, the The goal of the Free State Project originally was to get 20,000 people to sign and then have a five-year window in which those 20,000 move. 
at this point, the Free State Project is, I think, closing in on 9,500 signatures. And so it's probably going to be a little while, at least, to get to 20,000. Six, and then, seven years. And then another five-year window after that. So you've got some time here. And if, even if you can't make it within those five years, no one's going to sue you or something like that. So uh, there's no real risk. If it is your intention to move to New Hampshire then, as part of the Free State Project, then get on board at freestateproject.org and help us tick that counter up one more to 9,500. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Now, you guys had an experience uh, in Boston as part of the Motorhome Diaries, motorhomediaries.com, with MARV, the mobile... Darn it, I'm authority so bad at this. resistance vehicle. Mobile authority resistance vehicle. It is painted wonderfully black and gold. And there's, uh, there's speaking of the Free State Project, there's a Free State Project ad spread across the entire back window. Uh, so what was your experience there? A Free State uh, Project and a Free Talk Live, of course, and a Free Keen on the, uh, the back logo. We're proud to have those. So um, I don't know. I, I'll speak for myself. I hated driving through Boston. Uh, we had to uh, pick up Pete who uh, took a week off and uh, to go to Boston. So we're trying to go to the uh, the bus station where he arrived, and like there are all these low bridges there. So we, it was just impossible to get him, so we're like, get a cab. So we, we finally met up with him, and then we're just driving around the city trying to find a place to park. And just like Dan from Rhode Island said, there's nowhere to park. Especially with an RV or with a... I couldn't find like anything because uh, even businesses said, you know, towway zone. I respect that. That's private property. Yeah. But even on public property. So finally we found this field next to like a, a ball field, like some abandoned warehouse. And we thought, okay, we're fine for the night. We wake up like <laughs> almost exactly at 8 a.m. And there's a, 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 a some kind of policeman, might have uh, probably city of Boston, on our doorstep, literally. Uh, knocking there and says you can't park here. Well, you can't park anywhere it seems in Boston. Yeah. And uh, but he's running that doorstep, door open, just looking at everything, talking to us. You know, he's not stepping foot because he doesn't have a, a warrant or anything. Mm-hmm. But he is just observing with his eyes. You know, uh, just everything. And so yeah, the the police presence there is accelerated. It's just a really unfriendly city uh, for drivers, and I was really glad to hear Dan's insight. Well, Dan, what he was talking about seems to be a typical government solution, doesn't it? I mean, if the problem is that there aren't enough parking spaces, the government decides to solve that problem by just, well, let's restrict the amount of pe- you know the people that sure. can park here. It doesn't have anything to do with the market demand for parking spaces. The market is saying we need more parking, and the government doesn't know how to handle that. It doesn't know even the beginning steps of what to do to co- to meet the market demand. Nor does it even care about meeting the market demand because, after all, if it can set a new rule and restrict things even more, inevitably it, it, the government people know there will be violators all over the place, and they can ring the cash register every single day to the tune of who knows how many thousands of dollars they're getting from the. Uh, the poor victims uh, that that unwittingly have to park somewhere and end up having to pony up, as he was saying, forty bucks a pop. That it, adds up. It, it really is. Uh, it's difficult. You know, you uh, you, you want to find. It, it's always nice to go and find some parking that you don't have to pay a great deal for when you co- go to a new town, a new city. And you know, this on the street parking generally is of that sort, and they've limited that to the residents. I'm not saying that I, as a resident, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't kind of like that, but. What they need is more parking. There's a higher demand for parking. Well, we've been uh, driving all over the country, and uh, Boston was the worst. We were going to have a meetup there, uh, and we just left early. We, we Even compared to New it. York City? Uh, you know, in New York City, uh, that's a funny story also. We actually had 
a connection who had a connection that got us a film permit. So we were able to park in the street in Soho. So we, we, <laughs> yes, yes, we use the system for that. Well, uh, I, I think that uh, when, when you look at these lists of worst, uh, you know, the worst places to drive in America, Boston is always near the top. Mm. I'm of the opinion. I drove around the nation. I've driven in um, many of the major cities here in the United States. I am of the opinion Boston has the worst roads. They have a, a plethora of one-way streets. Not to say New York doesn't, but it's on a grid system that you can kind of understand to some extent. Whereas uh, Boston, it it seems like they just they go everywhere, all over mm. the place. It, it, it's it's very difficult to navigate. If you take one wrong turn, you can end up miles and miles and miles from where you wanted to be because you can't turn around. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that it was because maybe it's because it was an old city, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't, suspect I, that's the truth. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's just really poor urban planning and a shakedown, like Egan was saying, for money. Well, that's just it. Uh, the, these the urban planners and the city planners, they, they believe they're so great. Uh, you know, they believe their S doesn't stink and that they're educated and they went to college and so they know how to design a city. Don't you tell them how to do their jobs. But it'd be very interesting to see what would happen in the absence of a central planner to watch as the marketplace actually did respond to consumer demand. And you'd, you'd probably see parking garages going up left and right wherever it was economically uh, necessary. Somebody would buy out some building and pay the price that it took to put the garage up to increase the capacity for doing business in that area. Uh, more on the way here. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Also in the studio with us tonight, sharing a microphone, is uh, Jason and Pete. Jason Talley, Pete Ayer from motorhomediaries.com. You can follow their travels across the country and their attempted travels, at least, to uh, leave the country. should be interesting to see. Uh, you guys are eventually planning on, uh, I think, going into Mexico or dipping into Mexico at some point, and I wonder if they'll be as uh, totalitarian as the Canadian guards were. We'll, we'll see. We, we may have to pay them off, but yeah, when we say searching <laughs> for freedom in America, we always intended that's going to be North, North America. America, you know, right. the United States, Canada, Mexico, but uh, one-third of that is off the itinerary, it seems, thanks Apparently to so. our their wonderful government there. I'd also like to ask you a couple of questions about your plans when you went to Canada. Did you uh, expect to buy any uh, petrol when you got there? We, we would probably have to, yes. Okay. Um, did you expect to buy food? Uh, yes, most okay. certainly. Okay, did trinkets, anything besides that you were thinking you might have gotten? We we were going to spend money on their economy, yes. Okay, and so you essentially these uh, these uh, you know officious little bureaucrats that are worried about heinous propaganda coming into Canada, uh, you know, made some kind of arbitrary decision that cost uh, Canadian businesses uh, you know money. Not just that, but there was probably like uh, six, eight of the bureaucrats on our case, searching our vehicle, you know, researching our. Our, our subversive websites and stuff like that. So it costs the taxpayers a, a lot of money uh, to keep us out and not spending money on their economy. Of course, they're not concerned about anything like that, even though you could point out that by you guys going to Canada and spending money, that does mean that some of that money would be siphoned off back into the coffers of the state. So in a way, they're hurting their own budget by not allowing you in. But again, the, 
the bureaucrats aren't they don't have to be concerned about that they're going to get their paycheck next right. week regardless of how they treat people they're so far removed from the uh, the process that it doesn't matter to them they you know bureauc- that's what bureaucrats jobs are whether they want to admit it or not their bu- their job to some extent or another uh, is to slow down the economy to slow down people be- doing business voluntary tra- uh, transactions i suppose there are some that uh, pr- provide services i guess if you're looking at fire firefighters um, you're looking at trash collectors. The regulator bureaucrats, though. Yeah, yeah but, the, but there's a lot of regulators out there that uh, it's really just their job to just stop people from... No, no, that's that's their job, no. All right. Oh, we're going to continue here. You, more comments? I was just going to say, and now we're stuck with like all this uh, all this money. It has like, this old woman in a George Washington wig. I believe they called her the queen. <laughs> and so now we don't know to do, what to do with that. So you all changed out your money before you went? Uh, actually, uh, I've had this uh, oh, okay. money for a while. I really wanted to get rid of it. Well, let's talk to Joe in Wisconsin, taking your calls about anything here, and then I promise uh, that sometime within the next hour we'll really focus on what actually happened at the border. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live with the guys from Motorhome Diaries. Hi, Ian, Mark, guests. Hey. Uh, I've got multiple Patriot issues and just one person. Uh, J.T. Coyote from the Prison Planet Forum, he's a moderator there, and state rights activist. He earns a living from reloading antique and relic firearms. Uh, this becomes relevant later. He got a blood clot in his leg, and he's also got mounting medical bills. And while he was laid up recuperating, his wife gets fired as a paralegal. So here he is owing back payments, and he wanted to sell before he was foreclosed, and that turns out to be a bad idea. Am I allowed to give the realtor's name? Mm, I'm not really sure. I don't think um, – what, what do you want to accomplish with this? Uh, well, the agents were poking around, and they thought they had scored a meth lab, and it was actually his annealing pit in his basement restroom that he would anneal the uh, firearm shells, and he would reload them. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he was tipped off by the ensuing de- or about the ensuing DEA raid by his local sheriff buddy, and so nothing bad really happened to him. They just poked around whatever, but the bank is starting foreclosure proceedings, and they were set for July the 19th, but they delayed the sale, being nice, right, until the 24th. Uh, The reason why they delayed was the new law says you used to have 75 days to clean up your arrears, and now you only have 24 hours to vacate, and it's at the buyer's discretion. So, meanwhile, his wife gave the bank 112 pages of documentation, good for her, and it will take another week to plow through it. So now he. And what is the point of giving the bank the documentation? I've never been through a foreclosure, so I don't know what that. They have to go through all the documentation and see if there's anything that uh, legally they have to answer to. So it's basically delayed the sale till the 31st. So, so the the home is to be foreclosed because they couldn't continue uh, making payments due to the tragic circumstances. And and you're saying they're trying to delay it as, as long as possible. Well, one of the things is because he is a states' rights activist, and the uh, realtors wanted to make some quick money off of him, and that's one of the things that they've been known to do. They actually make more money off of raiding people's homes. And how, how is it the realtors way? are involved in raiding his home? I, I guess that's the connection I'm not really making here. Well, the real estate agents who were poking around, he asked them to do an appraisal of his property, and they saw what he was, uh, well, what they thought was a meth lab, or at least what they could accuse him and mm-hmm. they could raid him for that. 
but things just sort of went down from there. So they get the government gives them money for um, for finding meth labs. Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh yes. Okay. They look for anything. They will confiscate firearms. The guy's a reloader for crying out loud. He helps old Civil War reenactors. So you're saying it was the realtors? You believe the realtors snitched oh, out no, to the he police? Knows. The realtors tipped the DEA off, and the DEA told the sheriff, and the sheriff says, "JT, you're gonna have to step outside." And if he didn't step outside. Uh, they probably would have gone in guns drawn. So things didn't go badly that way. But the uh, realtors were expecting that they were going to uh, foreclose right there and then. So isn't it usually a bank that forecloses? How does a realtor get involved in that? I don't understand the process. Well, he had asked them to appraise, like I said, the property. But they do get a kickback for whatever the property goes for. That's how they got the foreclosure going. So if the cops come in and find some sort of drug operation, they get a kickback from the foreclosure? But oh, there yes. was there was no operation. He was re- reloading firearms, right? Right, but they're still getting a kickback anyway. So it's kind of like the sour grapes effect. And, and what do you call, I mean, what is that program called? I mean, is there a name for it? I've never, this is something uh, I've never I'm heard sure of I'm sure there is, but it's like one of those knock and talk things, except it's for real estate agents. So even if nothing is, even if no one is convicted, they pay a real estate agent for for snitching on somebody for what they thought was going to happen. What, what was going on? No, it, it's well, the bank has done the proceedings, and they said thank you very much, real estate agents. You know, you've delayed his payments long enough that we can now foreclose on him. So that's so you're thing. saying it's not the police that are giving them money; it's a, the bank that's giving the real estate agent money. To go to the police. How did the bank? How did the uh, real estate agents delay the payment of uh, Mr. Uh, the, the the gentleman you're talking about by having him well, raided? It was I guess. supposed to go into sale on the 19th. That was under the old law that you could have 75 days to uh, clear up your arrears, and the buyer would be waived off. Now, so the foreclosure new... wasn't because of the raid. What was the foreclosure for? It was delayed long enough. And they said, well, we're going to be lenient to you for another six days or five days or whatever it was. And that delayed it just long enough for the new law to kick in so that he no so, longer So, I'm sorry, I'm still not understanding the timeline here. Were they going to be foreclosed upon before the police raid happened, or was the foreclosure uh, something that happened after the police raid? It was actually the state sale that was going to go on. But the state sale. What is that? Yeah, it's where the property goes up for sale in the uh, county seat. And and why was that happening? Uh, it was scheduled for the 19th, but because of this raid. Yeah, you didn't raid, answer me why the state sale was happening. Why was that scheduled in the first place? He was being foreclosed on, but it was under the old laws that said he had 75 days to... And why wasn't he paying his mortgage? Uh, He was laid up. Like I said, he had medical bills, and his wife was a paralegal, and she was laid off. But he has since uh, gotten back on his feet. His wife is paralegaling again. So So that's not an issue. Was he making making any payments to the bank? Because they will take uh, payments. He was making... usually forestall the the, the foreclosure because they don't want your house. He's trying to... 
Well, actually, if you wanted to have him call in tomorrow... Oh, really, I can't even barely follow this. I mean, I've been asking you question after question. I, I can't say it really makes much sense to me. I'm trying my best to really wrap my uh, my head around it. If people want to go out and find out more, where do they go? Yeah, where can they go? Okay, I left a link on your forum. On the free okay, talk so it's board. not. So what you're saying is it's not an easy link? You have to go to the Free Talk Live BBS to find this? Uh, you can also go to the forum.prisonplanet.com. Okay, good luck out there. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Yeah, I mean, if you have to ask question after question to even get a conceptualization as to what is going on, uh, it's a very difficult situation. Well, sometimes the government, uh, you know, wang- uh, weaves a tangled web. Still, I don't. I, I still don't really understand exactly what he was trying to communicate. He, the people obviously weren't paying their uh, mortgage. More on the way here. Hour two's coming up, and Jason and Pete from the Motorhome Diaries are here with us. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program, and you can bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Jason and Peter are also with us from the Motorhome Diaries, motorhomediaries.com. We're going to get into their story about what happened at the Canadian border here in a bit. We're going to keep taking your phone calls because you're on the line. You want to talk to us about whatever you want. That's the point of the show. You can bring up anything, 800-259-9231. Just to go back for a moment, uh, for those of you that are just tuning in, you missed what happened at the end of last hour. There was a guy that called in, Joe, from Wisconsin, and he did his best to tell us a very confusing story. And so I was just poking around uh, to see if I could figure out exactly what it was he was trying to communicate. And I think we did kind of, through asking several questions, manage to, to ascertain the kind of the basics of the story. And the gentleman he was talking about, um, apparently he is one of the writers over at Prison Planet or uh, Infowars.com. He was saying that apparently these uh, a group of realtors that was previewing his home did indeed go to the DEA and snitch him out for possibly manufacturing methamphetamine. He was indeed tipped off by the, sh- the local sheriff that the raid was going to happen, which helped him avoid some major heartache and having guns pointed at him and, and that sort of thing. So it was nice of the, uh, the sheriff to, to at least make that phone call. But it says here in his article where he tells his own story and, and does a much better job, by the way, uh, he says that he talked to one of the DEA agents and asked him about why this happened. He said, are realtors being trained by the DEA to sniff out drugs these days? The answer he was given was that real estate companies are giving DEA are being given DEA courses on how to identify certain types of drug manufacturing processes and how to report them. 
Anytime a methamphetamine lab is suspected, the DEA must be called in because of the hazardous materials involved. So the short answer, he says, is yes. And I think that's kind of the most uh, meaty uh, portion of the story. What he was trying to also tell us was that these folks were were having financial troubles and it was all kind of jumbled together as far as what happened when and what happened as well, a result of what. The, the idea is that the real estate agents were preying on these people to some extent. And it, it, if if they're getting a kickback, I'd say that, yeah, they are. Yeah, I don't know about I don't know about all the kickbacks, but I, I will say that it's a disturbing story nonetheless. And I guess I think guess these folks are looking for help. I don't know if it's to save their house or to get them moved out somewhere else. But as, you sa- as he said, there is a uh, thread over at the Free Talk Live BBS. All right, so let's go back to your calls. Mike is in Slovakia, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, Ian. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Mike? Well, I wanted to talk to, uh, to Jason and Peter. Are they still, uh, still close by? Certainly. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Oh, I should well, I probably turn that... their mics on. Go ahead. Are there Mike? Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. How's it going, bud? Hey, it's all right. What's on I your mind tonight, Mike? Go ahead. Ago. So we're going to have a sing-along first. It goes like this. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. <laughs> with all their beady little eyes and flapping heads so full of lies. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. We need to form a full assault. It's all Canada's fault. It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along. Blame Canada. Et cetera. Very good. <laughs> Does we, we we love that Mike? This is Mike, by the way, of uh, NoState.com. So always, always great to hear from you. Yes, the, the stateless uh, the stateless man or one of the stateless men. Stateless ex-American or something. Yeah, not not as uh, not as big a splash as Jeff Nabel did a couple weeks ago, but that's all right. Did you like well, I'm, that I'm uh, Jeff Nabel, the guy in India who tore up his passport on the grave of uh, Mahatma Gandhi and and then proceeded yeah. to declare himself. <laughs> A, a sovereign, stateless uh, man, and did it all in front of the uh, so-called authorities, and they actually patted him on the back and uh, told him that he was he was free in India. That they didn't care. I, it's very I, interesting. I would think Gandhi would like that. I, I think so. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that was that was all kinds of cool. I'm uh, I'm hoping to get together and uh, and talk to that guy at some point, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. We'll see. You should make him a blogger on your website. I should make him a blogger on my website. Yes, yeah, it's, it's website. no state dot com. No state dot com, and I think Jeff's website is freeofstate dot org, if I recall correctly. So That's what right. what else but, was on hey, your mind you know, tonight, we're, Mike? We're competitors here in the blogosphere, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, we can we can cooperate, cooperate, uh, cooperate, comp- competitive or something. This well, is anyway, yeah, it's a friendly competition. In jail again. What's that now? I say I'm glad you guys aren't in jail again. Yeah, well, we, we enjoy our freedom. So uh, yeah, it's just not in Canada. Yeah, it was funny, though, uh, as we're in the waiting room. We actually, uh, once we did write down the point-by-point, because we both had a pen and paper with us, uh, since it wouldn't allow any recording devices, we actually uh, discovered that we were in, we were being held by them for over five hours, and I was drawing all these parallels, like the, the temperature was very cold, and they kept we kept saying, like, when are we going to be free to go? And the, the answer was soon. And, it, you know, we kept saying all these parallels that we put up within Jones County. Yeah, well, it's. Uh, I read the. I read the play-by-play, and look. I, 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 one thing I wanted to say is, uh, you got the bureaucrats' numbers. Get me their names, and uh, you know, find somebody who can get me their photos. I'll publish them. Well, here's the thing. They, uh, you, you cannot get their names. They are so afraid of that. And uh, this is like, uh, the, they're bureaucrats. They don't mind being a number. Uh, you know, in the system, they, they they love it. Their numbers are very large on their bulletproof vest. <laughs> They're proud of and, their numbers, yeah, and they'd love to give us all numbers one day, probably. Thank you, Mike, that, for the call tonight. Uh, it's nice hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 
And so these numbers that these bureaucrats have, the border guards, allows them to to essentially hide behind their badge in a in a way that's uh, pretty pretty unique. Uh, that I think I think most of the bureaucrats in this country do still have names, uh, but apparently not in uh, the Canadian border guard. Yeah, they say they uh, they don't represent themselves. They speak for the state. Right. How interesting. Agents. When are they going to get little masks to hide their faces, too? Well, we've seen photos of, like, um, drug enforcement agency people with masks. They want to their identities out. Yeah, and one of the uh, border bureaucrats who was uh, doing a lot of our uh, cyber stalking online to find out about who we were and, and who uh, kind of interrogated us, um, she later told us when I was picking up our gear as we were uh, fixing to leave that uh, she doesn't want to see her name online, and she just she just she said you guys have a presence online, and I'm just working for the government, and you know da da da. And I said, look, I, you know I, I have this written down on uh, on the post related to this on MotorhomeDiaries.com, but I said, you know you voluntarily took this job, and you, and you said you know you're choosing to enforce these things, and and ultimately like they can put whatever they want on these pieces of paper, but you're the one who's ultimately enforcing them, so you need to be held accountable. That's right. She's responsible for what she's done. Uh, it's it's easy for them to just say to themselves and say to you, "Oh, I'm just doing my job." As though that's oh well, that's what they said at no Nuremberg. big deal. Right. That is what they said at Nuremberg, and it didn't work there, and it shouldn't it shouldn't work now. You were the one that made you're the one who uh, made the choice to take that job, and you continue making the choice to go to it every single day, and you make the choice to obey everything that you're told. You could very well make the choice to say, "No, I'm not going to do that." Uh, no, I'm not going to screen this vehicle. No, I'm not going to uh, engage in this tyrannical behavior anymore. But, of course, then that might put her job at risk. And, well, then she might have to go find another one, which probably won't have as nice perks. Because if you actually work in the marketplace, you don't get the same kind of uh, you know, bennies that the government people do. Well, um, also, there's another sort of human-to-human reaction that she could do. is like, I agree with you guys. And you should be kind. And then, likely, she would be treated kindly um, in the report afterwards. Except she doesn't agree, because if she actually agreed, she wouldn't be doing what if she's she doing. If she was concerned about, uh, if what her concern was, was being treated well or um, perhaps securing her identity, the best way to do that is not to say, to give some order, I, I don't want to see my name online. That the much best I agree way with. to secure um, that is to you know, be nice about it and treat people humanly with kindness. Let's talk to Karen in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Karen. Karen, are oh, you there? Hi. I can hear you much better now. Well, I great. actually was uh, trying to get this question in while the pastor was on the line, but I'll ask. Never had a pastor on tonight. You must be listening to a different radio program. But you can ask your question. We'll do our best to answer it. Okay. I want you to tell me why it is that judges, the court system, the state, the uh, yes, the judiciary can divorce uh, couples who got married in the church. I want you to Well, because nobody what... gets married in the church. Very few people get married in the church. And they get married in a church, but they don't get married uh, exclusively in a church. They're married under the auspices of the state. Uh, most people get a, a state marriage license. The marriage is officiated by the state. It's just kind of performed by the church. Well, the, so, right, the church turns the pastor in or excuse me, the state turns the pastor into a bureaucrat when he signs the uh, marriage license that the couple went and got ahead of time. 
Yeah, they voluntarily chose to get the state marriage license. And so in order to get the state marriage license annulled, they have to go through the state's process, which the state owns you. I mean, the, the marriage agreement with the state is an agreement between you, your loved one, and the state. And why anyone would want to voluntarily enter into a, an agreement like that, I, I don't really understand it. And I thank you for the call, 800-259-9231. I think it should just be a church, but that's just not how it is. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Joining us tonight, the boys from Motorhome Diaries are here. Jason Talley, Pete Ayer, both former crashers-in-chief of a uh, organization that was once great. And now they're uh, part of the Free State Project. They're moving up to Keene, New Hampshire, probably sometime in uh, early 2010, I would guess, because you're going to spend the rest of the year pretty much on the road uh, doing motorhome diaries. And we're going to get into some of the details on that here as far as they got stopped at the border uh, by the Canadian Border Patrol guys, and it was not a pleasant experience. We'll get to that, but first we continue with your phone calls. Scott is in Wisconsin, and you're on Free Talk Live. Scott. Amigos, how you doing tonight? What's on your mind, Scott? Um, I just wanted to ask you guys, and I'd like to have your partners in there comment about this, too. Um, I was listening to a show the other day about uh, our Second Amendment, and that's a right to bear arms and hold them, and it might not be infringed. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask if all you guys own guns, um, and second of all, um, did they carry one in their motor home there? Um, and I would also want to ask um, how you guys would feel if the day comes that uh, they take away all the guns from the private owners. And do you think that... All right, you're up to three questions. Uh, let's let's just start with the, the first three. Do you own guns, Pete and Jason? Uh, is there one at least in the motor home in Marv? And how do you feel? I've already forgotten the third question. <laughs> yeah, so. this is Pete. Uh, I do own firearms. I, uh, I think I have responsibility to protect myself and my property and hopefully people around me. Um, we, I do, when we're in the States, uh, there are two firearms. We've kept disassembled, locked in a separate container from ammo, which is also locked. Um, the only difference is when we're in a state where open carry is legal, I will open carry. Uh, not so much to you know, deter crime, but just to uh, encourage others to ask, you know, what, what what are you doing? A lot of people say, are you a law enforcement officer? And I say, no, why do you ask? And then that gives a good opening for me to say, hey, like, just because someone wears a badge, it doesn't give them extra rights. And uh, as for your third question, uh, what, what was it? <laughs> God, I'm glad I'm not the only one. What was the third question again? Well, I was just asking them, um, if our the guys uh, come in, uh, oh, right. they to, if they try to take out. our guns, I mean, there's no way. There's um, tens of millions of gun owners in the states. There's a lot of people who have, you know, firearms that aren't registered. There's people who can make firearms. People who bear firearms. I mean, there's no way that uh, that uh, we're ever going to be a uh, defenseless society. Yeah, and this is Jason. I, I don't to carry weapons, but I'm very glad that Pete does. I, I consider my body a weapon. <laughs> I'm feel, feeling a little pain just looking at it. So, uh, does that answer your question? Well, uh, did Mark uh, did Mark say comment yet? Or oh, I, I, it, it would be against the law for me to own a firearm. I'm a convicted felon. 
And how about you? I have an AK-47 downstairs. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, to all the listeners to know because I knew that the, our great government that is going to try to uh, implement that they can come and take our guns away, and it, it, I don't think it'll ever be uh, defeated. They've already they've already come and taken my guns away. Yeah, but uh, they haven't went and took a, a, away uh, 300 million guns if it's across America. So no, but most people will probably turn them in. And one one thing I would say though is, I mean, if this is something you're scared of, then uh, don't pay in. Don't give them the money to to purchase these firearms. You know, don't pay the taxes. If it's it's if it's something you don't believe in, if it's immoral, then don't do it. That's just it. I think that's uh, that's a big deal. I think a lot of people really need to start seriously considering not giving this this criminal organization known as the federal government, and of course all your local state governments are criminal as well, but uh, to a lesser extent, not giving this criminal organization your money on a voluntary basis anymore. I think it, I forget who it was that said said this, and I'm, I'm sure I'm doing a poor job of paraphrasing it, but uh, let them protest as long as they keep paying their taxes. Who cares as, Who cares how many signs they wave and how, how much they chant? I couldn't help but think about that today. I was watching some videos. Or the the anti-terrorist has a few new videos out, and he recommends it, another YouTube channel in his uh, one of his more recent videos. And I was I went to this other YouTube channel that he was recommending, and it was a, a video called the Megaphone Wars. And so there was this guy in Great Britain. It seems like a pretty good channel. Uh, this guy in Great it's not really a, a, a principled liberty-oriented channel, but these guys aren't afraid to use a video camera and a megaphone, and I, I have a real appreciation for that kind of activism. So they're out on the streets. There's a big anti-war protest over there in, in the U.K., and it's your typical kind of uh, – thank you for the call, by the way. You dropped. Uh, the, your typical kind of anti-war shouting rally where a bunch of uh, hippies are all standing around and, and chanting, which is what most people do during rallies is somebody starts a chant and people start chanting as though anybody cares. And so go ahead. No, wave, we won't go. Right. Wave your signs. Uh, end the war now. Get, chant all you want. The people who are sitting in the legislative office buildings don't care what you're saying. They don't care. You can make as much noise as you want to make. They will not be influenced by you. What's going to change things is people actually being willing to do more than just wave a sign or more than uh, chant into a megaphone. And the guy that was making the video actually pointed out that what he was pointing out was the juxtaposition between the people that were chanting mindlessly into the the megaphone and then two people that had me- – there were megaphones all over the darn place. Well, one lady had a megaphone. And she was actually speaking in sentences into it, actually talking through the megaphone and, and making points, and the police hauled her off. And then this other guy who was behind the video camera, he had his own megaphone. One of his buddies was there. He passes the camera to him and starts going uh, going off on his megaphone. And, again, he wasn't doing mindless chanting. He was actually making cohesive points. And, of course, the police came up to him and arrested him. And, of course, they were threatening him, and he didn't want to show identification and, and things like that, which is really great. I mean, the guys have got some, some huevos. Um, and so the police are threatening him. Well, if you don't give us your ID, we're going to have to arrest you. And so he basically said, okay, well, I'm not giving you my ID. And so he forced them into the position of allegedly having to arrest him. Turns out what they did was they hauled him into a police van, drove him around for five minutes, and then let him out. So they didn't same even, spot? I don't know if it was the same spot, but they didn't take him to the police station. It was just an intimidation tactic to try to get him to give up his info. They do that. So not to say that that you'll have the same results. They, you may end up in a jail cell overnight or for 58 days. You never know what's going to happen. It's all completely arbitrary, but it was, it was very interesting to, uh, to to see that apparently if you've got a megaphone and you just chant mindlessly into it, 
you'll be okay. But if you actually say intelligent things, then uh, the police will come and mess with you. That, that was an observation at that time. It was a very uh, appropriate observation, and he had a lot of evidence to back it up. All right, so let's continue with your phone calls and talk. I believe Steve in Texas is on the line with a question for the guys for the Motorhome Diaries. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live yeah, with Jason thank, and Pete. Thank you for making my well, Steve, thank you for calling saying, on your cell phone. Uh, it sounds awful. Let's try one more time. Are you there? Can we hear you? Yeah, I'm here. Better Can this you time. Hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay, thank you very much for taking my call. I just wanted to start out by saying that Brian uh, from New Hampshire, the victim of the horse theft, he made some comments yesterday about the phone that when one person talks and then you guys talk, uh, that you can't really hear what they say. And I've got to say, yes, this is, this is the case. And I thought it was my phone, but it, it doesn't seem to be. And, well, we've managed uh, to, to get by for this long, uh, doing the show as long as we've done. And I apologize for that. I'll put you back on hold here, and we'll see. Actually, it was now that's interesting because uh, Brian was talking about when we were talking to him, we were talking to him through a different phone system than we're speaking to the current caller. So I don't know what to tell you. We've managed to do the show for five years straight, and everything sounded fine. So thanks for the suggestions. More coming up here. We'll bring him back. It's Free Talk Live. In an instant, the world changed for Lieutenant General Michael O'Neill. His staff shot before his eyes. Arrested for war crimes, he now faces a short, one-sided trial. The boundaries blur. The chaos returns. Somebody is going to die. The long-awaited sequel to Hell's Fair, The Eye of the Storm, by New York Times best-selling author John Ringo from Bain Books. Remember, if you don't like your world, visit one of ours at Bain.com. Free Talk Live, it is your show, and you can bring up what you want, just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, and they include the Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the, uh, their own validated pictures to prove they listen to the show. Also, we're now accepting validation videos. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com to learn more about it and become a part of it if you are one of our lady listeners. Shrine.freetalklive.com. I've been taking a new vitamin. It's called Choose for Health Super Fruit Complex. It's a chewable vitamin. It includes fruits and berries that have tremendous health-enhancing qualities and contain hundreds of naturally occurring vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, amino acids, and lots of other good stuff for you. You can call right now and receive a one-week free trial. All you've got to do is pay for the shipping. It's a one-week free trial at 1-800-219-8874. It's Choose for Health, 1-800-219-8874. Toll-free number here for us is 800-259-9231. We're going to go back to Steve in Texas. Steve, you're back on with Pete and Jason from the Motorhome Diaries at motorhomediaries.com. Go ahead. Steve, are you there? Uh, Yeah. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm here. All right, go for it. you hear me okay? You got it. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say, if, if the guys from the Motorhome Diary, how did you get back into the United States? Do you have your spy chip RFID, <laughs> uh, federal government compliant identification? Yeah, Steve, that's a good question. Actually, uh, right uh, when we were able to leave the Canadian uh, checkpoint and go back to the U.S. checkpoint about a quarter mile south, uh, you know, we informed them of what happened. We were asked to step outside, park the vehicle, and answer a few questions, and a few questions turned into about an hour, and and uh, one of the guys there, a couple of them accompanied us back to the vehicle so we get our driver's licenses. And one of them, you know, took his time poking around and uh, rifling through some of the papers that the uh, Canadian border bureaucrats had, had uh, left out. But, 
I don't know. All this stuff's on uh, MotorhomeDiaries.com. We have a pretty uh, exhaustive overview of what went down, and uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's one okay, thing so that you're we, telling uh, me that you have not complied with the uh, federal government requirements also, so I do have some other principled uh, people that are with me on this. Uh, wait, 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 hold on a second here. Did you guys have passports is the question he's asking. Uh, yeah, in order to travel internationally, you have to have a passport, and so I, I do that for, uh, for work. Um, you do not have to have wrong he's uh, what he said you've got a kind of an iffy connection here tonight but what is what he's saying is that you th- they're saying you have to have a passport they're trying to posture as though you have to have a passport they want everyone to believe it but he has claimed that he has crossed the border now on foot he's not done it in a in a vehicle but he's crossed the border at least twice uh, you've called at least twice to tell us about it and that each time they just try to intimidate you and lecture you about getting a passport but you've never actually done it I think we lost him. Thanks for the call, Steve. But that is basically what he was saying, and I'd, it'd be interesting to have people do some experimentation with this. One could claim that there's a uh, kind of a, a period in which they're allowing people to come back without a passport, but how could they stop you from coming back? It really what, is interesting. They're going to let you come back eventually, most likely. It's just that they're going to probably take you aside for, as you said, it was an hour for you guys. Uh, Maybe several hours. If you don't have a passport, they may just decide to lock you in a cage to scare you. But inevitably, they're going to let people back in. If you've got a driver's license from the United States, odds are very good that eventually you're going to get back in. I'm not giving legal advice. It would be interesting for people to try this and actually see what happens. Steve says he's been doing it on foot down at the southern border, and he's been able to get through with just a, you know 15 or 20 minutes of uh, dealing with these bureaucrats. So it might be an experiment for somebody who kind of lives up north near the border who has a video camera to uh, to kind of have fun with, if that's your idea of a, of a good time. And for some people, it is. Let's continue with your calls and go to Rex in Nebraska. Rex, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, hello. Hey, Rex. Uh, what I was uh, wanting to ask is that we've got all these great ideas of, of how we're going to restrain the government. I wondered what the young people, uh, you know, I'm an old man, I'm past 60, and I know that your show probably appeals to the younger folk, but what are we willing to give up? What are we willing to do to make this change? Well, let's have uh, Jason and Pete answer that question. Uh, the change you're talking about is a reduction of the, the role of government in people's lives? Exactly. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't think of it as giving up anything, but uh, something that I'm going to do and a, a lot of people are going to do is move to New Hampshire. Uh, and so it is a change of lifestyle, but, uh, I mean, I guess traveling around the country in an RV is, uh, you know, something that uh, you, you change your lifestyle to be more free. Yeah, and this is Pete. Moving. Uh, well, I would answer your question. I would, I would say, like, who is the we you're talking about? I mean, this is all about individual decisions. We all have subjective, we all have preferences, and we have different timelines, and so it's up to the individual to weigh the, the costs to potential actions. Well, uh, exactly, and I can understand the, you know, the so-called libertarian way of thought, which I guess that's how I would be categorized. But, you know, it's up to the young folks. You know, I, I am past 60 years old. And 
I, I really am putting the, the 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 destiny of this country in your folks' hands. Can I ask you a question? It, uh, you, you said you're over sixty. I mean, what have you done? I mean, um, have you been fighting for freedom? And uh, you know, and if not, uh, you know, can we blame you for the state of the uh, <laughs> of the nation? It's not fair. Well, I I don't know. I, you know, I am a Ron Paul organizer. I have got uh, two. Uh, Sites in Nebraska where I've uh, got groups together. We held, we hold sign holding uh, organizational things. We, you know, I, yes, I, I have tried to do the best I can. And, and I appreciate that very much. So uh, I'll jump in here at, at this point and talk about the idea that, uh, that your, your question was, what are the young people going to do? And I think that a lot of young people, while they're certainly well acquainted with technology, and that is certainly going to be a major factor, it already has been, in spreading the ideas of liberty. It's, uh, I think that it's the number one reason why we're here doing this show right now. I think a lot of young people don't have the same experience that you might. Uh, they've not been involved. They haven't been doing the sign wavings. They haven't been doing the, the protesting and the things that you were talking about. And so what will happen likely is they'll get involved and in maybe with the, the campaign for liberty or the Young Americans for Liberty, whatever their entry point will be, probably less likely that it'll ever be the Libertarian Party because they're just more irrelevant as days go on. Uh, but exactly. whatever, whatever their entry point into the, the liberty movement is, they'll probably find out that uh, after they failed enough, that none of the old ways work anymore, that the uh, the ways of getting together and having a tea, tea Party protest and, and going out and shouting through a megaphone or uh, calling uh, politicians and begging them for relief, all of these tried-and-true methods of working within the system, they will probably come to the conclusion, and, and Mark, before you jump down my throat, I'm talking about young people that aren't in New Hampshire, uh, but they'll come to the conclusion that crap, this isn't working. They're, the government's getting bigger. I've been spending a lot of my free time organizing these things. I've been out there uh, pounding the pavement, getting out the, the, the message of freedom, and nobody's coming to these meetings. Uh, it's just not happening. The government's getting bigger, and the taxes are getting larger. The intrusiveness is, uh, is increasing. I don't know what to do. And then they'll burn out. They'll disappear. They'll drop out of the system, and they'll they'll get depressed and despondent about the future of America. That's probably what will happen to most of them, except for the few that actually hear about the Free State Project. Or, uh, and we're meeting a lot of these folks on the road, young people especially, um, they are just giving up on this great fiction that you call government, and they're not working within the system. Uh, you know, they're uh, trading with one another. They're you know spreading these ideas out of a voluntary society, and uh, and that's what I'm interested in promoting as much as possible. Well, I, I would say that, you know, controlled resistance. We, we need to come out there and show them that we don't agree with them. Now, that doesn't mean we have to get our AK-47s and be that aggressive, not to say that we won't get to that point. But we need to, you know, coalesce as, as a group of, of, of the same kind of thinking individuals and we need to protest. And, you know, that, that's what I'm hoping that the young people of this country can do because, you know... That's I, what I'm telling point. you isn't going to work. And I thank you for the call. That, I don't believe, is going to be very effective. Protests, I think, are valuable only in the fact that it gets people together and gets them feeling like something's actually happening. It gets... Morale's uh, important. It allows... I agree. I'm saying that that's I'm why it's saying. beneficial. 
Uh, but I don't think that it will change the minds of the politicians in any way, shape, or form. Otherwise, we would have freedom now. There's been a lot of darn protesting. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, it is your show, and you can bring up what you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com and inviting you to enjoy it free because that's the way a good talk show website should be. Uh, so enjoy all those features. We give them to you. But if you like the show and you want to help voluntarily support us, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase, and you'll get the products that you need at a great price. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items. I just ordered a, uh, another SD card for my video camera today because I gave my other one to Sam, because actually all of us went out and did a little bit of activism today here in Keene, since you guys were rejected from the border uh, as you were attempting to go to Canada for several days, I believe. Uh, there was, isn't there like a conference of some sort going on up in Canada right now? Let's give them a plug. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, it's called the Liberty Summer Seminar, mm-hmm. and it's run by our friends at the Institute for Liberal Studies. So it's uh, liberalstudies.ca is a website. Check them out. It's a bunch of, uh, it's basically all the libertarians in Canada come there, and it's just an outdoor event. They have a bunch of speakers and uh, bands, and it's just, it's great. Sounds like it would have been a lot of fun had you been able to actually make it there. Unfortunately, you were turned around at the U.S.-Canadian border. Motorhomediaries.com is the website. There are videos of many of your experiences across the road as you've been traveling for over three months at this point in search of freedom in America, as you say. And uh, you've been certainly finding a lot of freedom-oriented people who've been telling you all kinds of interesting things. People can see that. But where do you want to start the story? Uh, what, what, what do you want to share with our listeners about your experiences? Because as Mike, uh, our caller, had suggested earlier, there's a very detailed analysis on your website at MotorhomeDiaries.com as to what your experience was yesterday. But can you paint the picture for our, our radio listeners? Sure, yeah. Uh, Motorhome Diaries is a very freewheeling operation. We usually just say we look ahead about a few weeks and lay out our itinerary. But uh, we knew before we hit the road with this project that we were, wanted to make the Liberty Summer Seminar. So we had that penciled in for sure, and we, and we uh, worked in events around that. So we knew we wanted to go to Canada. We were going to have some meetups in a few cities there as well. Uh, so we, we attempted to cross the border. We allowed for a three-hour buffer zone. You've you got to do that when you're dealing with right. bureaucrats. You just know it's going to take forever. Right. And uh, Jason was driving. I was filming. And uh, uh, it seemed like the process was going pretty standard. Where are you guys going? What, how long are you going to be here? And then uh, Jason was asked to pull over. So we got out and... Uh, you know, we were ordered to go to the building, so we started to do that, and they told us we couldn't film. And uh, Jason was later ordered to delete that film. Um, but basically, we were there and uh, held for uh, about over, just over five hours. And you know, we we kept asking, "Are we free to go? We don't consent to this." And they they cited like, "Well, the charter gives us authority to you know search you guys and search your vehicle." And I said, "Well, what if they extended the charter charter a hundred miles or a thousand miles inland from the border? You know, would you enforce that?" Sure, they would. Yeah, exactly. Of course, they would. Yeah. If the, they if can the, expand their bureaucracy then. Right. If the charter said that they were going to cart people off to jail for, you know, no good reason at all, they'd do it. Right. And uh, so initially they started bringing in uh, literature, some literature from the Alliance for the Libertarian Left. Uh, a few of those guys were up at Porkfest this past year and they did mm-hmm. a pretty good presentation. But they brought that in. They brought a bunch of business cards from uh, friends and allies and they brought other literature. And they're basically just going through that, going through our website. I saw they were on uh, Free State Blogs. And they're doing a bunch of um, investigation to find out exactly who we were, what we were about. And they initially thought they were going to be able to deny us entry based on uh, having heinous propaganda. And we asked them to define that. (laughs) 
and uh, we were told to look at a dictionary. Yeah. So basically, you know, it's obviously just a purposefully vague term for the bureaucrats to be able to cast a wide net. But um, it, when it was all said and done, they they cited uh, another reason for our uh, refusal of entry, uh, an immigration reason, because we were uh, of our Jones County incident. Uh, when we were arrested down there, which were, the charges are still pending, but you it know. doesn't matter apparently. The fact that you have been charged with something is enough reason for them to say you can't come here. Uh, well, they believe so. They said that uh, if something was, uh, if if you committed an offense in another area that would be illegal in Canada, then they have the right to deny you. And I said, well, we were only accused. Right? Isn't the burden on the state? And she said, no, the burden's on your shoulders. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, they were citing a bunch of uh, erroneous things anyway, so I, th- I think they were basically just looking for a reason not to let us in. Sure. And, of course, all the uh, Jones County stuff was bogus to begin with, but uh, this would just be a, another reason that they need to be held accountable is, uh, because we can't get into Canada now because of it. But uh, the, the, according to the regulation, it has to be something that's also illegal in Canada that we were guilty of uh, here, but Pete's charge was just having a beer in a dry county. There mm-hmm. are no dry counties uh, in, in Canada. Canada. But uh, they just wanted a reason because, I mean, we, you know, stood up for our rights as, as much as we could and asked them questions, you know, and took copious notes. And so they just wanted some kind of reason to get us out of their country. Yeah, they let us back uh, separately a couple of times to like, well, uh, to an interrogation room. And, uh, you know, there was one time, you know, we were ordered not to take our cell phones or camera or anything like that. But uh, she, uh, one of the uh, border bureaucrats asked Jason, you know, basically implied that he didn't even need to bring a pen and paper. You know, they didn't want us even taking notes of their actions. Yeah, and uh, something that uh, we've uh, outlined on the <laughs> website is that this place is covered uh, in cameras. And as you drive your vehicle in, you have probably like four cameras pointing at you. You know, we're doing a documentary. This mm-hmm. is, you know, this is what we do on a day-to-day basis. We film everything. And uh, they could not, they did not like the, the accountability that we wanted to bring to their office. Because if people saw what these, uh, what the border agents do, uh, I can't see how they'd be a- allowed to exist like that. I mean, these guys are like bulletproof vests and they carry guns and they carry, you know, um, uh, batons. Um, you know, it's, it's As just, though somebody that dangerous is trying to get into Canada. I right. don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. And, I mean, and these are the first people, these are the first Canadians that we meet when we go there. Right. You know, and... Um, it's, Welcome to Canada. Now obey. Right, and and of course they they frisked us. You know they touched me in my bathing suit area. I mean it was uh, <laughs> it, it, it was your it, mama told you not to let people do that. Didn't I know, she? and the, and then the state thinks they can get away with that, but and uh, they will. And well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Sue them in their courts? Yeah, they, I mean, and, or or fight back. I mean, they have all the guns, right? I mean, it's exactly. a very controlled environment. So well, uh, and as and and we've had a few callers allude to the whole uh, it's going to come to violence someday tonight, and we hadn't really jumped on it yet. But I don't really think that's an effective way to to uh, to approach this situation because that's what they want. I mean, they they would like nothing more than for somebody to get violent with them, so they have the excuse to crack a few heads in, and of course they'll be seen as being completely legitimate, while you'll be seen as the psycho. Well, they've mentioned this. Uh, having guns on Border Patrol agents in Canada is a, is a new thing. Uh, and, and so some people on some of the Canadian blogs that I was reading about this case said that they've got really, really dark ever since this happened. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... So their attitude some, changed because they, they're packing? Now they're packing heat, and uh, and they wear numbers on their uniforms, on their bulletproof vest. They will not give you a name at all. And they cited uh, a border agent that was uh, killed or something in the line of duty. I'm not so sure. But they use those things to escalate their power mm-hmm. um, and their authority over you. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, violence isn't the solution. Um, you know, just our, our message is of peace. And uh, 
they didn't like that. They didn't like uh, our peace and liberty message. It wouldn't let us cross the border. Yeah, and we should underscore, this isn't just a problem when you're going across a Canadian border. This is a problem of nation states everywhere, of uh, people who claim to uh, you know, have an authority over other individuals. Which they don't, because authority doesn't really exist. It's just kind of this fantasy that they've uh, told themselves, well, when I wear this outfit and this badge, then I'm in charge. And the, the reason you're in charge is because you've got a gang of people with guns and tasers, and you're not afraid to use them on people. It's really, that's all their authority really is when it comes down to, uh, we were in the court today, in uh, Keene District Court, uh, you guys joined us for some activism, and Sam went in there, and uh, you actually, Pete, had an encounter with Lance, who is the same guy that was responsible for arresting both uh, Dave Ridley and Sam, this is the head bureaucrat, the uh, the head court security bureaucrat, and you had your video camera in there, and you were of course recording. You hadn't read their signage or anything like that, and so he he said, well, you can't, you know, you you can't record in here. And you'd asked him some questions, and I asked him a question about, uh, you know, the obligation to obey that sign on the wall. And of course, he refused to answer any of our questions. And uh, yeah, he knows what the obligation is. The obligation is him, uh, him and his men in suit coats uh, will will put metal bracelets on you if you don't do what they say. That's the obligation. There's no consent involved here. Uh, I mean, th- there is the sort of the implicit consent that no one will do anything about this. Like m- the majority of people will just go along to get along. So there's that kind of level of consent. But it doesn't matter what we individually think about their policies. They'll just go and roll right over top of you and put you in a jail cell if you don't go along with what they're saying right. same thing at the border and the uh, the reason for that civil disobedience today uh, was to go in and for sam to get paperwork about his court case which is coming up uh, in probably less than a week um and they they kept uh, dragging their feet to give it to him but all these all these things that we're talking about tonight it's it's all about transparency and government doesn't want people to be transparent because if people knew what their government was up to then i don't see how government could exist mm. yeah and, it's, and to tie all these things together when we were uh when when lance was approaching us and telling us not to film there was a there was a woman working there uh, in the office, and she was, you know, she didn't want her face to be filmed, so she was back up to the window. She would hold a file over a window. Right. She's and very she upset. Said, yeah, she said, I'm, just, I'm a government, this is just a job. That's what she said, trying mm-hmm. to justify her actions. This is just a job. And well, no, it, like, if, if you're harming people and violating their rights, you should be held accountable. Well, and besides that, I mean, her job is dealing with the public. And I, I'm sorry, I should be able, as a member of the public, should be able to uh, bring a camera into a public office and and film public officials so that I can show it to the public. What are we talking about here? Seems like a no-brainer, but this is the situation we're dealing with. Uh, I know, Pete, you've got to run for a bit, but Jason, you're willing to hang out with us, right? Let's do it. More with Jason here in moments from MotorhomeDiaries.com. If you've got a question for him, dial in. Hour three's coming up. I had a great idea at work yesterday. So, I gathered my A-team to meet online using WebEx. I passed the ball to Carol in Atlanta, and I created some killer graphics. Then, I passed the ball to Taz in San Jose because I write the code that makes their ideas work online. Then I passed the ball to Logan in Cambridge. I'm kind of the keeper of cool. And hey, it was cool. So now, my idea wasn't just an idea. It was our hot new product line. Created by our national development team. Spread across three time zones. And we couldn't have done it without passing the ball. Using WebEx, the only way to pass the ball online. Pass the ball. Get your ideas rolling. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 606 to get a free trial and a free retractable VoIP headset. Remember that code 606. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X dot com. Free headsets available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.
Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want. We are launching into the third hour of the program, and you can, again, bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. You can call in and talk about anything. Also, Jason Talley is here with us from MotorhomeDiaries.com. They were recently turned away at the Canadian border and have been telling us about that experience. And, of course, there's a lot that they've experienced. They actually went to jail down in Jones County, Mississippi, for uh, because there's some corrupt rogue cops down there that didn't like them. Uh, there's, there's so much that has happened, and it's only been three months that they've been on the road. Who knows what adventures have yet to come, because you're going to continue uh, with this journey, Jason, even though you aren't allowed into Canada, or at least not at that Border Patrol checkpoint. For all you know, you could try a different checkpoint at a different location, and, and roll of the dice, you might encounter a friendlier bureaucrat. I mean, all of the, all of the way that uh, people are treated at border checkpoints is completely arbitrary, based upon the attitude uh, and the demeanor of the particular bureaucrat you're dealing with. But I bet they have a database, and uh, we would come up right away, because they check your license yeah. plate, they check your identification numbers, and so uh, I, I, we're giving up on uh, going to Canada, unfortunately. What can you do? You know, you did your best, and they turned you around, but you are going to continue, and of course you had some plans in Canada, which left you open for maybe some options here, at least for a, a, a little while, and so I emailed you to say, hey, come on by, let's have you sit in here and uh, and hang out with us on Free Talk Live, because we really enjoy having you guys on the show, you're intelligent uh, gentlemen, and uh, it's really great that you're coming here to Keene, New Hampshire, and that you're part of the Free State Project, and it's even better that you're driving around the country advertising the Free State Project, not to mention uh, FreeKeene.com and uh, the Free Talk Live, uh, Free Talk Live. We, we've got ads all over your uh, Motorhome Diaries vehicle. What are some of the other sponsors that are behind Motorhome Diaries? Let's give them uh, some props. Well, you know, most of it is uh, individual donors, and we were talking about transparency earlier. As far as government goes, uh, you know, early on we decided with Motorhome Diaries we were going to be totally transparent. That's why on every Thursday we do what's called Thank You Thursday, and we will list off the names of the uh, people who have donated to us. And so everything's out there. That's why when the uh, the Canadian bureaucrats, uh, you know, went to our websites and did their background search on us. I mean, it's all out there. You know, right. our, our political views are out there. Uh, you know, we want to see a, a voluntary, stateless society, um, which would mean there wouldn't be these border control checkpoints. And uh, yeah, the imaginary and, lines would no longer exist. Right, exactly. It's it's it, this whole imaginary line thing reminds me of a, a story that I read when I was a kid uh, called The Emperor's New Clothes, and uh, and just this great fiction that is government. Uh, what, what can you uh, summarize that for for people that? Oh yeah, The Emperor's New Clothes is. Uh, the, uh, the this emperor was told that he was made a a fine suit, but only like really smart people will recognize the suit and be able to see it. Well, the emperor looked at himself and he was naked in this mirror, but he didn't want to sound stupid. Uh. So so he said, "Oh my gosh, this is the this is the most attractive suit I own." And then so he just walked around the kingdom naked. And then other people would say. Um, well, I can't, you know, disagree with the king. Right. Um, so that is a fine suit. Until one day, this uh, small child said, "Look at the emperor; he has no clothes." And so I think that's our role. We need to uh, point out when uh, when things that these institutions that exist and they shouldn't. Not only that, uh, we and, and I think you guys are doing a great job of it over at MotorhomeDiaries.com, covering it from so many different aspects, talking to. The people that are kind of inside the beltway, inside the system, academic types, all the way to uh, the, the people that are outside of the system doing civil disobedience and uh, media people, everything in between. It's, it's, you're really covering, I think, all of the bases. 
And that is what, uh, as a movement, I think that the, the liberty movement is doing. We're pointing at the uh, the emperor or the government people, and we're saying, well, number one, they're not doing what they're claiming they're doing. They're not protecting your liberty. They're endangering your liberty. They have to endanger your liberty by simply the fact that they exist and that they tax. Uh, so the, the whole idea that they can protect liberty by endangering it is a, a paradox that will never be solved. And so you, we, we, we point that out on a regular basis. We point out the, the, absolute, the actual violence that occurs on a regular basis from the agents of the state uh, that, is in, that they direct against so many different people. Of course, most, most of them happen to be uh, people that, that don't really have means. They target uh, the state people, tend to target poor people. They tend to target young people, people that don't know their rights, because they're nothing more than a group of bullies. They're a big gang, and bullies know to pick on the weak. You don't pick on the guy that's got the Rolls Royce because you know he can uh, afford to take you to court and he might actually win because he's got influence and, and power and money. Uh, but the the guy driving the beat up uh, the beater through the the checkpoint or or down in, in the in the neighborhood where the police pull him over, they know they've got somebody that you know they can walk right over top of, and uh, this guy probably doesn't even know he can say no to a search. So it's bringing all this information out for people to see crystal clear what's really going on. And uh, just thanks for being out there doing that and helping with it. Well. It's a pleasure. I have to, and I would hope your listeners would feel the same way. I mean, if we want, you know, our rights to be respected, we have to exert them. You know, and, and that's why, uh, like the Jones County situation, uh, they thought they could roll over on us because people will roll over all the time. But, right, you're uh, just a bunch of kids. Yeah, they they weren't used to people that said, "Well, no, you can't search my vehicle. You don't have a a, a right or a, a warrant." And no, you 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 can't have my identification. Um, you know, the, the Supreme Court has said that uh, that is. Uh, you're not authorized to, uh, to to get that if I don't want you to have it. So uh, they they were flabbergasted and put us in jail for 10 hours. Right. So uh, standing up for your rights doesn't actually immediately get them to change their behavior. As you're saying, they got they were offended by uh, your, your your brazenness, your the audacity that you would dare question their authority. And so they punished you for and, it. And, and that's why I would encourage everybody just keep standing up. And exactly. the more people that stand up, they're just not going to be able to get away with this in the future. That's the key is mass civil disobedience, I think, and, and non-cooperation. And I'm not really... The difference between civil disobedience and non-cooperation, I almost consider the difference to be that civil disobedience, I kind of feel like, is more announced in advance, whereas non-cooperation is just something you do when they come after you for for whatever. I'm sure that's not uh, necessarily the difference, if there even is a difference, but in my mind, that's that's kind of how I categorize things. Yeah, there things. seems to be a d- distinction sort of between market-based activism, which is providing, in some cases, alternatives to uh, coercive uh, you know programs, and, and then there's c- uh, civil disobedience, and it, it all, to me, seems to go under sort of one big uh, you know, umbrella, but, you know, whatever, people it's, can call it whatever. The government people got to where they are because everyone mostly has said yes. Uh, as the years have gone on, as the decades have passed, as the regulations have been brought about, as the rules have been, uh, the new laws have been legislated, Americans have just said, okay, sure, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just make sure I get my social security check when I turn 65, which of course, anybody that's actually counting on the government to, uh, to honor its promises is there's a good chance you might get a very cold, right. uncomfortable wake-up call at some point in your life, but no guarantees. That's for sure. I no. mean, I, I, I expect uh, if you know when I get old enough to get a social security check, that uh, mine will probably be good enough to buy a bag of dog food with once a month. You know what? I've been uh, making Nick um, wait long here, and I didn't even think about uh, that he was still there. Nick is on the line; has been waiting patiently in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Jason Talley is here from MotorhomeDiaries.com. Nick, you're on the air. Ian, you break my heart by forgetting about me. 
I didn't forget about you. You're here. Oh, okay. Um, I was just kidding anyway. Anyway, I wanted to talk about uh, global warming. Um, I personally, I just want to know about your thoughts on it. I, I have to say I'm really enjoying this uh, globally warmed summer where it's been, what, in the 70s yeah, almost cool, every single day? cooler than any recorded summer. Right. Yeah, I just, I, I personally don't believe in it, and I personally, um, I don't know, don't, don't really think it exists, but I don't know. I wanted your guys' opinions. Well, I mean, I'd like to have Jason jump because we've certainly addressed this a million times. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Jason. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I mean, there are some. I mean, yes, I, I do believe that the Earth is warming. Uh, it, it could be because of natural cycles. Um, but you know, I, I I believe in freedom, and so a lot of uh, like right wingers want to deny that there is global warming or that uh, you know we could do anything bad to the environment. Well, we can, you know, and we should take good care of the environment. But I think like the green movement should be split into uh, two. There's the dark green people, and those are the people that want to limit you, like the amount of toilet paper that you can use or mm. the number of children that you can have and just get government involved with cap-and-trade schemes and, and things like that. And then there's what I like to call the bright green movement where, yeah, we should take care of our property. And a lot of, a lot of that can be done through like a private property ownership because you're going to take much better care of your own property uh, than the estate or, or commons. The thing that dark green people don't understand is the agency they're asking to clean up the environment is the number one polluter. Right. The, the U.S. military is the greatest polluter in all of America, more so than the uh, the top four corporate polluters, at least that's according to Dr. Mary Ruart in her excellent book, Healing Our World, more so than the top four corporate polluters combined. So you're asking these people to clean up the environment? Let's let the market solve these problems based on what the market says is the best way to handle this, based on the uh, the trillions of individual decisions that are being made all at uh, all at the same time. That's how this problem will be solved, if there even is a problem. And I don't know about that. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Uh, also, Jason, now that you're on uh, your mic by yourself, you can you can add your name oh, can to I, the... Can I do this right now? Yeah. And Jason. Thank you for that. Just, <laughs> it would be too difficult with having to switch between the third mic because you guys are having to uh, kind of swivel it back and forth. And it's just yeah. awkward. So, uh, Jason's sitting in here with us uh, probably for the remainder of the show. And you all came over here to Keene today because you were turned away at the border. And, of course, you're from MotorhomeDiaries.com, where you've been traveling around the country for the last three months. Probably will be traveling throughout, at least uh, through the end of the year. Is that kind of the plan currently, to go all the way through 2009 at the very least? Yeah, that's the plan. On the uh, on MotorhomeDiaries.com, we have our itinerary set to uh, the end of October currently. Okay. And uh, there's uh, there's been a lot of uh, that has happened so far. You've met up with a, with a ton of different people across the country. You've still got a lot uh, a lot more planned, a lot more to do. And so as you're going across America, you will uh, you'll update your position on the map over at motorhomediaries.com. You'll update your itinerary so people are going to know where you're planning on going and they can reach out to you and say, "Hey, you're coming my direction. Swing on by here. I'll get together as many people as I can and we'll all ha- have a good time and enjoy one another's company and get to know each other." and talk about freedom and that's what you've been doing and it's been pretty successful so far yeah exactly uh yeah we it, it's a listening tour we get to learn what everybody's up to i mean it's, it's really beneficial for me because you know i find out what i think is most effective and uh, and what's not as effective and get to talk to some really smart people and some really dedicated activists so uh, motorhomediaries.com, for people that want to follow it, it is a blog. You can uh, watch, uh, you've got your own YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. I'm a subscriber. I highly recommend it. 
And uh, I highly recommend people follow what you guys are doing. I mean, we're doing our best to kind of keep up with you here. And, of course, you, you certainly are free to call in and, and give us updates as, as you encounter interesting things on the road. But let's uh, let's see. Where do we want to go uh, from here? We talked about what happened in Canada. Was there anything that we didn't cover about your stop in Canada or the Canadian border where you were turned around? Is there anything that uh, you, you didn't mention maybe that earlier that you didn't have a chance you wanted to get out there? You know, uh both Pete and I took copious notes because we had plenty of time while we were, um, you know, in their lobby, you know, for five hours. Uh, but we weren't free to go, so it, it felt like a, a confinement. But uh, so we have, uh, and then you we weren't we, cuffed, we, but you weren't free to go. Yeah, we kept asking, "Are we free to go?" Right. And no, and they had our vehicle, they had our keys. So it's interesting. Um, there are prisons in the United States that don't have uh, fences; they just have lines painted on the ground where the inmates aren't allowed to go past. Minimum security. Yeah, minimum security prisons. So they're, you know, they're, they're threatened with punishment if they mm-hmm. leave. So you were in prison. Yeah, I mean, it sure did feel like it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just this line, uh, you know, between the two countries that's uh, kind of like a no-man land. And uh, it, you have no rights whatsoever when you're there. And they, they, mm-hmm. they let you know that. They'll use, you know, fancy legal terms. And they say, oh, no, you're not uh, being detained, but, uh, you know, you're you're in our custody or, or something like that. You know? <laughs> we own you. You're, you're our guest yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. It's, it, it is very strange, uh, this, this, that, that, that little line between the nations and what they can do there, but they seem to be able to do it. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're so self-important with their sovereignty, and they want you to have a big flag waiting for you if they do allow you to, uh, to enter. And they want you to know that we're a whole different country with, you know, all these different rules. But, um, you know, it's just the, the nature of the state and uh, didn't care for it too much. So they turned you around. You guys started heading back down south, down uh, 91 uh, in Vermont. And I sent you an email inviting you out to Keene because I knew that Sam from ObscuredTruth.com was going to be doing a little bit of activism today. And just to kind of bring our listeners up to speed on what he's been up to since he's gotten out of jail, after he spent 58 days in a, in a jail cell because he dared to record video in Keene, New Hampshire's uh, Keene District Court, uh, actually in the lobby of the court, uh, and refused to identify himself when arrested. He chose 50, to remain silent. Right. 58 days is what he spent in there. So after he, he got out, he went down to the clerk's office, the city clerk, and filed what they call a 91A request. And here in New Hampshire, there's a particular statute where the statute makes it clear that the government offices are supposed to give over certain documents. So if, as a citizen, uh, you go into the government office, you demand certain information, they're supposed to have it on file for you to look at right there, some of it. Some of it they may have to spend some time getting ready, in which case they have a five-day uh, period in, uh, to, to pull up that, in, that requested information. He went in there, uh, requested the information, and basically what he was requesting was, all of the information he could request. So he used their language. He pulled the actual text from the section 91A and put it into his request saying, I need, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but basically saying, whatever it is that you, need, you can legally give me to inspect, that's what I want to see. And they wrote him back a few days later saying, well, uh, we'd like to comply with your request, but we don't really understand what you mean by this. And that's when he wrote them back. So they wanted clarification, which is you know, a stalling tactic, basically. He wrote them back and he said, well, what do I mean by this? This is your language. 
what do you mean you don't understand it? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But uh, he, he took the actual, then he actually cited 91A, recopied the language, and then repasted what his original request said, and it's word for word the exact language that's in their own rules. It's in their own laws. And they were, they were pretending like they didn't understand what it meant. And so he wrote them back uh, on that point, and today he went back in to follow up to see if they'd put the uh, the information together for him. Yeah, I mean, bureaucrats aren't known for their speedy delivery of information. I mean, their their business model is to drag their feet. Right, and uh, they certainly don't want to have to do this one because this is every single record that they can possibly produce. So he goes in, uh, we went with him, and you guys had your cameras, and this is the office that they banned cameras uh, from. And so I was standing outside the door with my my. HD cam, you would already, I think you and Pete had already gone in, and maybe both of you had video cameras out, I don't recall. I was taking photos, and Pete was taking video, and, and then I later helped out with Sam's camera. To the bureaucrat's credit, this is the same guy that was in Sam, one of Sam's recent videos, you can hear the audio of his voice, he was very nervous the last time we went in there, very intimidated by the by the activists. This time he was much more cool and collected, and the, the, the first time he demanded that we leave because we had cameras, this time he did not make any such demands, and it was quite obvious that you guys were, were in there with cameras. I determined that the sign outside the door says videotaping is not allowed, my uh, camera doesn't have a tape, so I decided to go in uh, with, the, with the camera as well. And the guy was pretty cool this time. He didn't seem to have called the cops because none of them showed up. We were there for outside the, the office for a while afterwards. And he answered Sam's questions in a bureaucratic fashion, which means a lengthy fashion. Uh, but basically he had said that it's in the attorney's hands. Uh, the city attorney has to take a look at the, uh, the request and you know, ascertain what is and what is not a document that we can give you. So uh, you still have to wait. So basically, they didn't comply with the request in the five-day uh, window. Right. So they broke the, the the law. They broke their rules. Well, their not laws. just their rules. It's the law. Statutes. Uh, yeah, they call what, them laws. What, whatever. I mean, what are the law enforcement officers there for? Shouldn't use somebody, discretion. Right. Shouldn't one of these people be going and arresting these bureaucrats for breaking the law? You'd think. It seems like one of those no-brainer things. We've got clear evidence that these bureaucrats are not following their own rules. In fact, they're they're actively preventing. Sam from seeing the information at this point, and there's a there's a possibility that this could go further with criminal charges against some of these bureaucrats. But even if that goes through, even if even if Sam is successful in filing these criminal charges against the bureaucrats, and the prosecutor for whatever reason doesn't null process them and just drop them off the face of the map, even if they do go through and say the city clerk comes in front of Judge Burke, Judge Burke could say, "All right, I find you guilty of uh, of this because the evidence is pretty clear." I find you guilty and suspend the sentence, you know, or suspend the fine. Well, then they have a criminal record. I, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that's something. Not that they're it's not going to Canada. They're, they're not, not owning a weapon. <laughs> that's an interesting that's point. That's a felony. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But they are delaying at this point, and Sam, of course, has some more cards up his sleeve. Uh, we'll continue with this in moments. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. In an instant, the world changed for Lieutenant General Michael O'Neill. His staff shot before his eyes. Arrested for war crimes, he now faces a short, one-sided trial. The boundaries blur, the chaos returns. Somebody is going to die. The long-awaited sequel to Hell's Fair, The Eye of the Storm, by New York Times best-selling author John Ringo from Bain Books. Remember, if you don't like your world, visit one of ours at Bain.com. This is 
Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Jason. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those. Also, Jason's website is motorhomediaries.com, also a free website, though they will accept your uh, donations. In fact, they probably wouldn't really mind your donations because it's, uh, it helps to fill the gas tank. These guys are driving all across the country. Uh, they are visiting liberty-oriented people around America, and they could be coming to an area near you. You could get the chance to uh, tour Marv and meet up with Jason and Pete and Ryan, who will be rejoining the Motorhome Diaries crew, the third man on the crew. Uh, he'll be rejoining you here within, what, the next day or so? Uh, yeah, a couple of days. We're going to spend another day here in Keene uh, looking at real estate, and then we're going to uh, see Ryan again, who was great. We dropped him off at the border. Uh, come to find out, he would have probably been the only one who was allowed through the border. Uh, we didn't take him with us because he didn't have a passport, but then the border agent said, no, it would have been okay, hmm. but uh, he wasn't with us in Jones County, so uh, he's, he's not a, a criminal in their eyes. That would have been a, a mess anyway. You still would have had to turn around because obviously you're not going to go your separate ways at the border. Uh, but MotorhomeDiaries.com, highly recommend people take a look over there as we continue with your phone calls. Let's go to Mike in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Mike. Uh, hi, guys. Um, my question is for Jason. I'm wondering, uh, my question is about the Jones County uh, upcoming court date. Uh, what do you expect to to happen at, at the court date? What, um, uh, basically, uh, we are told that we don't even have to speak. Uh, so it's basically you have a lawyer, right? We, we have we have like five lawyers. Uh, wow, all pro bono. Um, I mean, that's just one example of the support that came to us uh, because of the uh, the shenanigans that the Jones County Sheriff's Department put us through. But um, yeah, so uh, they're gonna have to answer for what they did, and uh, like I mean, deleting evidence for one, and uh, you know, using uh, force against us uh, when, and you know, searching our vehicle, and they didn't find a single thing. So um, th- there's a lot to answer for, and uh, we look forward to uh, having them on the stand. Are you guys uh, planning on videotaping? Uh, <laughs> we we videotape everything. I mean, sometimes it gets deleted, but uh, that that is we're filming a documentary, so I think there's a good chance of that. There's uh, supporters who said that they were going to uh, show up and, and videotape. Right. Some supporters said they were going to show up uh, to this dry county, so-called, with uh, with beer, oh and um, and and maybe listen to the um, the proceedings from a jail cell. But I don't I don't necessarily encourage that or discourage that. But um, <laughs> it, I think it'll be uh, an interesting time. But oh, I should say we're going to go there like uh, for a full week. Uh, this is what we promised when we were still in Jones County the first time. A real and Jones it, County tour, huh? We're going to do a yeah, I mean, it's called the Free State of Jones and um, there's an interesting history about that if you uh, if you google it. But um so we're going to talk to some other victims of the Jones County Sheriff's Department because I'm sure there uh, are all plenty. these all these people told us their stories and so um some uh, some folks started a website joneskountysheriff.com where you can find out a lot of these <laughs> stories. Um, and, and so we have a, a lot of fodder for, uh, for interviews. I think it'll be a really interesting week. And that's uh, September 10th, I should say, when we're going to be back. All right, cool. Anything else on your mind tonight, Mike? Uh, no, thank you. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's talk to Mitch in New York. Mitch, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask Mark about why he converted to become a Quaker. I've always wondered why people decide <laughs> to change religions like that. Uh, well, um, I, you, you, what, you're the same religion as you were when, you know, that your parents uh, taught you? Uh, no, actually, um, I'm an atheist now. I've completely, you know, gone away from what my parents thought, but I was wondering why someone would decide to change from one religion to another. 
Well, um, in the in the case of uh, for me and uh, you were a Unitarian, by the way. Well, I guess I mean I went to a Unitarian church. Um, I you know my my beliefs haven't changed. Reading about Quakers, I've found that wow. Uh, you know, I am a Quaker. I believe all the things that these people believe. Well, your beliefs must have changed at some point to what they are today. You weren't raised with these beliefs from your parents, were you? No, no but I mean, you know, over time, I've uh, come to the, uh, the the belief that you know, we should uh, solve our problems through peaceful means. Uh, the biggest uh, testimony of the Quakers is, uh, you know, peacefulness. I like the idea of uh, you know the, the plainness testimony that the, uh, the the Quakers have. You know, lots of the things that they have. If you'll do a little research uh, into what they are. The, um, you know, they're, they're all about honesty. They don't believe that one man should be held against another. They believe that you should practice what you believe in your daily life. I think that all these things are extraordinarily important. One man held against or above another? I'm sorry, did I say? Uh, yeah, one, against. Um, one, one man held above another, that, they're all, that everybody's equal. Quakers wouldn't have a problem with two men holding against one another, would they? Uh, like some Dale, would, some wouldn't. Okay. Well, lots of Quakers believe lots of different things. So essentially, it seems the, that acceptance is a pretty big uh, thing, and maybe I'm wrong about it, that. They in, seem like a pretty accepting group. I'd say in the New England uh, Quaker movement, that's true. That okay. there's there's sort of different uh, Quakers around the world, and did, they have different thoughts. Mitch, did that answer your question? Uh, pretty much. Uh, but uh, I was thinking more along the lines of: Was there some sort of like major experience in your life that like really changed your mind about? Uh, the religion you were in before, or more was just kind of what you said, like, slowly one day you realized, I'm now exposed to Quaker, and now I realize my beliefs more aligned with that than when I was previously considering myself. I didn't enjoy going to the uh, Unitarian Church uh, that was here in town. Uh, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't an experience that I, I, I was, I wasn't doing it very often, so I must not have liked it very much. Um, I'd ha- I've had churches in the past that I enjoy the experience of going to, and didn't have that here, and then um, went to the uh, the Quaker meeting, and enjoyed that anything else Mitch? fair enough thanks for the call tonight appreciate it thank you thank you 800-259-9231 there was that incident on the road to damascus where god visited me too <laughs> jason uh what are your religious preferences if any um i don't i don't have any uh, religious beliefs uh I, i'm open to it but i haven't seen my burning bush either so uh, maybe maybe one day i don't know Fair enough. All right. So, uh, you know what? Something I wanted to bring up. We were talking about, I forget what it sparked my memory here, but we'd mentioned that you guys were involved with some of the activism that went on here in Keene today. And uh, I described what happened with Sam, but I didn't talk about what happened before we went in. And it, I, th- I think what, what brought, brought it to mind was that you were talking about, we were talking briefly about the Internet, some aspect of you know how all of the motorhomediaries.com exists because of the internet i mean you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now if it weren't for the fact that you can promote it via your website and get and bring people to it and get them excited and get them contributing to it i mean the the paypal links uh the donation of uh, put some money in our gas tank link is uh, really helping you guys get across the country and so i by the way i highly recommend if you if you like what uh, jason and peter are doing send them a few bucks and you'll get your name mentioned on thank you thursdays uh at motorhomediaries.com but if the the internet is what's making motorhome diaries possible the Internet is what's making the Free State Project possible. The Internet is what's making this show possible. So the, the fact that the Internet exists and that technology is where it is today is why the liberty movement is now more successful than it has ever been in the past. There's no doubt about this. It's an undeniable fact. But we encountered this woman out in front of the, uh, the city building today, this old lady, kind of big, large lady, kind of trundling along, and uh, she comes up to us, 
and I don't remember even what she said to open things up. She was disturbed by the camera. They were, Sam, of course, has one of these monster uh, HD video cameras, professional cameras, and uh, Meg was using it. Uh, they were just kind of prepping on the street for when we were going to go into the city building. And this old lady comes up and says something. I don't know if you were close enough to where you heard it. Well, she said that we didn't understand freedom because we're too young or the kind of freedom that just she experienced when uh, when she was growing up. And I assume that was like the Great Depression when it was like <laughs> it was like freedom from fear and freedom from want or something like that. Well, apparently so, it was also freedom from technology because oh, yeah, she yeah. made the, this comment that suggested that well, when she, she she feels free because she's not tied down to all these devices. She she pointed out that uh, us young people, and of course Richard was standing right there, and he's in his fifth, you know, mid to late fifties, I think. And, and Richard <laughs> has a camera on his uh, on his belt loop all the time, also. Right. So he likes technology. Actually, they stole his video camera from him in a recent uh, event, but nonetheless, uh, he was standing right there. And but most of us were fairly young, and so she was commenting about uh, how it is that that all all the young people she ever. Sees He's always, you know, they've got a cell phone at their ear or they're, they're connected to the network or whatever it was. That, I don't recall her exact comments. I think somebody might have been rolling uh, tape on her. I, I'm not sure if anybody was recording this. She didn't want to be recorded, so I was not recording her. I wasn't really interested in, you know, making an enemy. Uh, but what she was saying was certainly worthy of, uh, of being listened to because she was trying to say that she was more free because she didn't have all these encumbrances of technology tying her down. And, I, I think we, that technology offers both freedom and, um, it, it, you know, with it, you can be used, it can be used to tie you down. And we should have the freedom to make these choices, whether you use technology or not. More coming up here. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call if you make it right now. 1-800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Jason Talley, one of the men behind the Motorhome Diaries, uh, motorhomediaries.com, he is here for the remainder of the show, so get your questions in as soon as you can at 1-800-259-9231. And join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can get into a motorhome, uh, paint the Free Talk Live logo uh, on the side, and put our URL there and drive around. Actually, that's what Jason and Pete have done. They've actually got Free State Project logo. Uh, they've got a freekeen.com logo and uh, a few other organizations as well. And it's, they've been doing an awesome job really helping just promote the ideas of freedom all across the country with what is probably the, the most effective billboard advertisement the liberty movement has ever had i mean the motorhome diaries marv is uh, there that's their rv it's uh, it's a very attractive looking vehicle you will notice if marv is driving around your town for sure and one of the organizations you're promoting is the free state project and if you are frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live and are tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Just join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Join me. Join Mark. Join Jason. Join Pete. Uh, Pete is not sitting in here, but he was here earlier tonight. Both of the guys from Motorhome Diaries are Free Staters. The third guy, Ryan, he's also a, a Free State Project member. You actually picked him up in Keene, New Hampshire. He'd made the move from Alaska all the way to Keene, and within I think within a couple weeks of him moving here, you'd recruited him away to travel with you guys. Oh, darn it, I turned your mic off. He was uh, sleeping on the uh, floor um, of uh, of a home, like a, a fellow Free State Project member, uh, you know, allowed him to crash there. And we like we said, uh, you would be perfect for Motorhome Diaries because it's only up from there, right? Uh, you get to sleep on a on a couch now. 
That is a step and, up. He's a, he's a hard worker, and we, uh, we really enjoy having uh, Ryan Maddox uh, travel the country with us. So it'll be cool to have him back. Freestateproject.org is the website for you to go to to learn more about what I consider to be the most effective and the best movement for liberty activists in this country, if not the entire world. This is it. If you're looking for the, the chance at liberty in your lifetime and you don't really feel like it's happening where you are, I can tell you, I didn't feel that way down in Sarasota, Florida, which is a much bigger market than where I live right now. But here, it is so easy to get activists to come out and do things with you. It is incredible. Sam went out and did some activism this afternoon and I think gave maybe 45 minutes worth of notice. Uh, we managed to get five or six people. Actually, we I think probably had about five people turn out. And then when we were downtown, we ran into two other uh, free staters that just happened to be down there. So they're, they're, it's getting to the point where they're just activists all over. And You're so bumping many, into them. Right, in so many mm-hmm. places. If you spend an hour in downtown Keene, you start running into people. Uh, it's getting pretty exciting. The numbers are growing. And it's not just happening in Keene. It's all across the state. Manchester, Concord, all around New Hampshire. People are moving and getting active for liberty in the way they think is best. Of course, Mark, you and I uh, and Dale had it out last night as far as what the best approach to achieving liberty in our lifetime is and that's one of the things that a lot of the activists disagree on is what is the most effective but that's okay they're still here doing what they think is the most effective thing and uh, having a bunch of people doing activism in the way they think is best all in the same place all concentrated in the same geographic region in this case new hampshire is the key i think besides the whole internet thing that's another key Uh, but the the concentration of activism is a critical aspect to achieving liberty in our lifetime, and that's what the Free State Project is all about. I agree that uh, that that people, you know, having the action around uh, liberty is a very good thing. Uh, one thing that I'd like to correct you on is you and I don't disagree on whether civil disobedience works or not. I know you hear it that way. I know that whenever anybody says anything about activists, you take it very personally. We did disagree, and I'm not going to rehash it uh, tonight, Mark. But the essential disagreement was in the amount of effectiveness. I believe it's more effective than you do. That's all. Uh, so we continue here with your calls. Officer Liberty is on the line in Minnesota. You're on the amp line. Hello, Officer Liberty. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on the, on your mind tonight, sir? Uh, real quick, before my main talking point, um, <clears throat> I'd like to tell you guys that uh, I'm considering moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Ah, excellent. Um, my plans up until about a month ago were to move down to Texas because I thought that's where I would uh, fit in more. But uh, I was clicking around the Free State Project website, and I read the uh, 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire, mm. and I stopped after 20 because that was good enough for me. Now, that's actually um, an old document, as I understand it. Or it's have they still very motivating, it? though. It is. It was very motivating. I think I, think I believe they have updated it. Are they? Okay, because I know they were working on an, a, a 2009 updated edition, I, and I hadn't heard whether or not it had been finished yet, but I'm glad it's still as persuasive as it was to me uh, when I was – Joining when I joined up the Free State Project and they did the the state vote. There were ten states originally that were contending uh, for the the choice of the Free State Project destination. And New Hampshire's uh, the people that lived in New Hampshire had come up with that 101 reasons way back then. And for me, it was just it blew all of the other options out of the water, and it was very persuasive. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. Does that mean you've actually joined the Free State Project? Uh, I'm working on the statement of intent as we speak. And, oh, excellent. Um, I've applied to a couple departments up there, so if somebody picks me up, then uh, that'd be the best thing. Now, don't um, tell them you are a free stater. You don't want them to. <laughs> you don't want them to know That's that. That's not a piece of information that you want to uh, to, to go spreading around. In now, my opinion, here's yeah. what I'd like to know: I, How does it work? I mean, because you are somebody who went to school for being a police officer there in Minnesota. 
did you presumably graduated uh so how does the the transfer from one state or one jurisdiction to another actually work did you ever even get the job as the police officer or did you just graduate from the the training academy I never intended to work in Minnesota. Um, okay. I refer to it as Taxasota. Uh, I hate this state. Um, but we are one of the best for schools. So uh, my particular institution had a program specifically for students intending to move out of state. Oh, I see. Um, so, so my education is more just general policing. And uh, wherever I end up, uh, we'll have to take a crash course in local law and everything like sure. that. Well, great. As far as I'm concerned, the more liberty-oriented uh, police officers out there, the better. I know some people will gripe and say, well, if you love liberty, you'd quit your job. And I have to say that I'd, <laughs> I'd much rather have somebody like an Officer Liberty or Bradley Jardis, uh, who's one of the Law Enforcement Against Prohibition members who's uh, active here in, in New Hampshire. It, it's an on-duty patrolman. I'd rather have you guys out there, uh, even if you're doing things that are explicitly anti-freedom and enforcing bad laws, I'll at least some, you're not going to crack... Over, over. <laughs> you're, you're not going to crack somebody in the head. Uh, you're not a rogue cop in, in those ways. And I, and I think that you know people like Brad, I, 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 I can't say I know him real, real well, but he and I have a, a bit of a relationship, and I I think he's really grown in his understanding of liberty over the years, and I think that he applies it as much as he can possibly get away with. And I don't want to say more than that, but he's uh, he's an amazing guy, and he's he's doing what he can within he's doing everything he can within the system to uh, to kind of work things out as as well as he can. And he is being targeted for his uh, for his beliefs, so that's why I say keep that off the application. And I wanted to ask you guys, um, you know, even the license plate there says "Live Free or Die." How how far does that go? Does the government seem more, you know, laissez-faire up there, or is it just a farce? Well, I, I think that what you, it depends on where you are is really the answer to that. Um, I think that uh, I'm of the opinion that the, the police officers here are more responsive than I felt that they were where I was living. I, I also feel like I can... Uh, you know, there there are fewer bureaucrats, so therefore you have their ear, um, True. and you know it's it's much more personal, uh, uh, you know, situation. So I feel um, that uh, you know government is better up here than it is in uh, you know down in Florida. However, I also feel that Florida is probably one of the freer states in the nation in a lot of ways. So if you're from California, New York, uh, Illinois, uh, you know, any of these You'll really notice big, a big difference. Yeah, there's a real big difference. Uh, if you're from D.C., as Jason uh, spent a lot of a uh, number of years in Washington, D.C., I mean, you're not living here yet, Jason, but just from your, your few journeys here to New Hampshire, how are you feeling about the difference? Well, I mean, coming from D.C., there's dozens and dozens and dozens of different agencies, all of them armed, and it, it, it's a mess. It's a, it's a police state, obviously, there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Keen, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I wanted to make it my home. And, um, but, yeah, the, the whole live for your die attitude in New Hampshire is, is really refreshing, and it's a nice change of pace. So hopefully okay, that uh, helps. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I guess my main talking point, I just wanted to get that out of the way since that's uh, kind of what I'm considering doing. But um, I heard uh, on the podcast the other night, I didn't get to hear you guys live, but um, uh, there was a discussion about standing armies, If you're, I believe it was Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I can predict it, uh, Ian wasn't a big fan of uh, standing armies. I didn't hear uh, Mark's opinions. But um, if we don't have one, uh, I would wonder what are the other options. I, I just don't think that 
a nation would uh, survive very long without being uh, conquered by another dictator and becoming, you know, just like the Romans were. If it was an un- so, unarmed nation, you'd probably be right about that. Well, you know, uh, Officer Liberty, this is a question that I had to work uh, myself through, too, because, uh, you know, I was kind of that small government uh, Republican kind of guy, and I came from that, that situation. And the fact is, if you look at the Constitution, you look at the founding documents, you look at the writers, uh, the writings of the founders, you'll see that they didn't believe in a standing army either. They believed that an armed nation, and by the way, we have as many guns in this nation as we do citizens, that an armed nation uh, was going to be a free one. We're out of time, dude. Thanks for the call tonight, and congratulations on your decision to join the Free State Project. Look forward to having you here in New Hampshire. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks, Jason, from MotorhomeDiaries.com. More Free Talk Live tomorrow, freetalklive.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.